Blog Talk Radio. Round one. Fight, 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 fight. Welcome to The Balance. You have stumbled across the number one internet sports talk show in the world between the hours of 9 a.m. and 11 a.m. Welcome our affiliate radio stations as well across this great land of the United States. My name is Tom Marquez, better known as El Presidente. You are my minions and you will pay homage to me for the next two hours as we will guide you through this crazy world of sports. It is Final Four weekend. It is Easter, uh, Resurrection Sunday tomorrow. Uh, so we've got a lot on the agenda. Final Four. We got Loyola, Michigan, Villanova, Kansas, all waiting for the final dance with the king, if you will. Also going to be talking some IndyCar with Matthew Embry standing by in the balance green room. And uh, we're going to be also talking uh, some Final Four, an opening weekend of the MLB. And, of course, we've got uh, the NBA All-Stars, not All-Stars, duh, that's past, NBA playoffs uh, that have started as well, uh, Grant, that will be starting soon, I'm sorry. Uh, Grant Ossip of uh, the Kokomo Tribune and Indy Sportsline Online will be talking with us about the Pacers. In their trip to the playoffs, who would have ever thunked it? And then we're also going to be talking with Rick Reagan, calling us down and down. We're going to be breaking down uh, the uh, Final Four and MLB opening weekend. And uh, Mo from the BS Sports Show joins us. All of that right around the corner, right here on the Balance Radio Network. 917-889-8516. told me to reduce stress at work, so I come to Buffalo Wild Wings to eat lunch and watch sports. I get to pick one of seven entrees, like sandwiches and salads, plus one of seven sides. Well, I like sides. It's so affordable, I can finally take a vacation. Where are you going to go? Here, Tim. Here. Introducing the new B-Dub Fast Break Lunch Menu, starting at a new low price. Dine-in or order takeout weekdays between 11 and 2. Participation and availability may vary. Buffalo Wild Wings. Wings, beer, sports. 
It's double trouble, double the fun. At African Safari Wildlife Park in Port Clinton, Ohio, see the largest antelope on Earth, the giant eland, and the ugliest creature on Earth, the African warthog. There's so much to see and do, including the Midwest's only drive through safari. Feed the animals. See live educational shows. Feel the excitement. Have your picture taken with a python or cockatoo. Feel the adventure. Shop the Simba Lodge gift shop with items available from around the globe. Visit the snack bar or picnic facilities. Enjoy a pony or camel ride. Or cheer your favorite porker on to victory in the famous Pork Chop Down. Bring your family to see the rare and exotic animals at African Safari Wildlife Park in Portland, Ohio. Just take Route 2 to the Route 53 North exit and follow the sign. Only 17 miles west of Cedar Point via Route 6. Open every day, rain or shine. When you don't go to Geico.com, car insurance can be confusing. Like Swedish techno confusing. Bark, bark, meow, meow. Dance with me, purple cow. Bark, bark, meow, meow. Ooh, you lovely cow. Geico makes it easy. With 24-7 access, all you have to do is go to Geico.com and you can save money on car insurance. It just makes sense. Unlike, you know. Dance with me, purple cow. I like your mood. When you don't go to Geico.com, car insurance can be hard. Like early 90s heavy metal hard. I'm yelling and screaming and I'm loud. Roar. Geico makes it easy. You can review and update your policy or report a claim on Geico.com or the Geico mobile app. Because shouldn't we all have a little less stress in our lives? I'm not even upset about anything. Welcome back to The Balance. My name is Tom Marquis. El Presidente, 917-889-8516 is our digits. Joining us now is Mr. Matthew Embry of At Open Wheel Now, our official IndyCar contributor. Matthew, how are you? Happy Easter. Are you ready for some Final Four action? Should be an interesting situation uh, down there in San Antonio, the home of the Alamo. Uh, you have, obviously, a rank outsider in Loyola, Chicago. that's getting a lot of the media attention, and rightfully so, considering uh, all the key members, including, of course, the 98-year-old sister, Jean, who actually plays an active role <laughs> in scouting the for the team. So not exactly a, you know, a nobody for that team. Uh, Michigan team with the Ford star, Moritz Wagner, and then, of course, you've got two great coaches at Bill Self and Jay Wright leading uh, Villanova and Kansas, who, if one of those teams doesn't win the championship, uh, I think they could consider it a massive failure on their part. 
Well, absolutely, and I tell you what, we're going to be breaking down the final four. Both games happening today, Michigan and Loyola, and uh, Kansas and Villanova. Uh, Certainly, uh, we'll we'll be talking about that. Logic would tell you that probably uh, the the train stops today, and, uh, you know, Cinderella uh, Slipper has not been found, but maybe it has been. We know that that, Loyola has been able to pull off some great stuff, so if you're rooting for the underdog, yes, uh, definitely Loyola is it, but I think Michigan uh, has a lot of uh, future NBA players on their team, and I think they're just really too good uh, for Loyola. But, you know, uh, rooting for the underdog as well. I'm on both sides of the coin here. You know, I in my one of my brackets, I've still got Michigan alive, so from that aspect, go Michigan. But from the aspect of would love to see this uh, uh, Cinderella get to the final uh, game, uh, I say go Loyola, so both ways on that. Then you look at Kansas and Villanova, both very strong teams, uh, both uh, teams that could win the championship, and, and you would probably look for one of them to be the champion, Villanova and Kansas. What are your thoughts, sir? Well, the fact Kansas got here, I'm surprised. I mean, this is a team that lost more games at home that they rarely do any year in the Big 12, yet they were still won the Big 12 championship, but they looked vulnerable and got to give them credit. They beat a very strong Duke team, although I think Duke was their own worst enemy uh, this past Sunday, and that's how Kansas got here. And then Villanova, I think they are the team to beat right now, uh, even a better team than the team that uh, had to rely on a Chris Jenkins buzzer beer to win the championship a couple years ago that uh, obviously Charles Barkley went uh, gaga about uh, Almost scared to see what Charles Barkley might do on the set if uh, Villanova wins another championship. Obviously, his daughter is a Villanova, either as Kurt Stewart or an alum. So uh, he certainly has uh, some interest in it now that uh, his Auburn Tigers are out of the tournament. Yeah, absolutely. And it's always uh, just... Uh, fun. Uh, the Final Four atmosphere is like a Super Bowl atmosphere down there. Uh, I've got some friends down there. Derek Schultz is down there. Uh, was down there on Radio Row. Got a chance to uh, interview Patrick Ewing. So uh, you know of Georgetown. Uh, certainly we know him uh, very well here in Indiana. Uh, uh, but uh, so it was a good uh, time there. So let's uh, talk a little IndyCar before we get back on track with the Final Four. We had some uh, breaking news happen this week uh, over at Junco's Racing, sir. Uh, As you know, uh, former uh, World Series FR3 uh, 5 V8 race winner Renee Bender says he will compete in six IndyCar races this year, bringing Junco's Racing's total participation in the series to a total of 10 races. Yeah, but the fact of the matter is they need to pick up their pace big time. I mean, Rene Bender was way off the pace. He was a full second off the 23rd fastest car in qualifying this past, or for St. Pete. That's not going to cut it. And I have to say right now, not only is it looking iffy for Bender, even though there's two more races on the schedule, it's looking very, very iffy, in my opinion, for Kyle Kaiser. If they do get 36 or even 37 cars, which is now a possibility because A.J. Foyt has been added to the possibilities of entering another car for Indy, if they get to 36 or 37, I have a hard time seeing a scenario where Coast gets a car into the field at this point. Even, with, even though well, Kyle yeah, Kaiser absolutely. is the defending Indy Life champion. For them in, an up, in an uphill battle, go, go right ahead. You cut off. Yeah, I think the big thing on my mind right now is 
does Yukos find the pace to get into this field? Because, like I said, 36, and even though Robin Miller of Racer.com keeps insisting that all the cars there should make the field, regardless if there's 33 or more, I, can't, I don't buy that. I mean, it's just a scenario where the fastest 33 has always got in the field. Yes, there's been more than 33, but 79, remember, it was a lawsuit. Card almost threatened to sue USAC if they didn't open, reopen qualifying due to questions about the pop-off valve limits. And then in 97, the scenario created which the fastest 33 would have made the field under the 25-8 format. This, you just can't extend the field because you feel sorry for certain drivers, Tom. I mean, look what happened when they extended the field at Las Vegas in 2011. Mm-hmm. 34 cars mm-hmm. started on a mile-and-a-half track. We had a massive accident. Guess what happened? We lost probably our most popular driver, Dad Weldon. Can we afford to take that risk again? I say no. Right. And what this does is it erodes out some of the slower cars in the field from competing. And that's what this qualifying is about. It's having the fastest 33 in the field. And if three cars don't or four cars don't make it, that's the brakes. Yeah, absolutely, 100%. Well, let's talk about, you know, it seems like we start the uh, the season off, everybody gets all excited about the start of the IndyCar season, uh, you know, down in St. Pete. And then we got like a, almost a whole month, month and a half before we've got any racing, um, you know, a, a, a on the track again. Uh, so we got April 7th is coming up, uh, certainly out, out in, in uh, Phoenix at, uh, IMS, at ISM Raceway out there but man it sure seems like we're in another off season but let's get ready for phoenix april 7th coming up here next sunday i believe it's next sunday uh or saturday i'm sorry man let's talk a little bit about the uh upcoming uh indycar season and it's starting to unfold and unshape finally so uh let's talk a little bit about some drivers some teams and uh some stables as we get ready for the race out in phoenix uh, soto you think he's got it in him to win a championship this year with his new team uh you mean mr sato sato sorry yeah i do i know if it's uh, called american sato, I, think... I got i got problems Sato, I think, has got a decent chance at Phoenix, but I think the guy that's got the better chance is his own teammate, Graham Rahal, who's been with the team and has the better chemistry at this point. Uh, and at this rate, I mean, Sato could be a threat in Indianapolis, but I think right now, if you're looking at threats for Rahal, Letterman, Lanigan, and then the Scuderia Corsa team, I think the best threat for them coming into Indy is probably Graham Rahal or Oriol Servia, two drivers who have been more consistent. Keep in mind, just did couple years ago, Takuma Sato crashed out the very first lap of this race. So, yes, he's won the race, but he's also been known for over-aggression. So the question is, can he keep that under wraps uh, now with a car that may not be as good as the Andretti Ausbark car he enjoyed last year? Right, absolutely. And, you know, the, the thing about it is, so let's talk a little bit about, uh, we'll just kind of go down the list here because I want to make sure that we, we, we got them all covered. We'll start because it's right here in Indianapolis. Ed Carpenter Racing, what are your thoughts about his, his team going into 2018 and also uh, getting ready for Phoenix? If they can't get it done in Phoenix, I think they're going to have a very long season. Uh, Spencer Piggott was not on par with the field like I thought he might be on the road courses. He's not to the level of, say, like a Mike Codway, a road rigger for them a couple years ago was. Uh, as you know, Preferred Freezer is now going to sponsor uh, that 21 car for at least four races. 
Long Beach, Indy, IndyCar Grand Prix in Toronto. And uh, they also revealed uh, Danica Patrick's car officially, uh, the number 13, uh, the black and green uh, GoDaddy.com colors on that car. Uh, I think right now Ed Carpenter, I'm starting to wonder how many years left in the tank Ed Carpenter's in. I believe he's in his 40s now. And, uh, yes, he's got the stuff for Indy, but beyond that, uh, I don't believe he cashed any top tens in, uh, at any track uh, this past uh year with just six races so uh, you start to wonder maybe this is a situation where Ed Carpenter needs to start thinking about maybe giving that ride to someone else full-time and uh, it makes you wonder if Jordan King could be a full-timer on the IndyCar circuit considering he has no oval track experience or do they look for another veteran uh, so that could be if we look ahead I mean the silly season's so long down the road but if Carpenter starts uh, losing competitiveness. Is it time for him to maybe think about hanging up his helmet and maybe making it two full-time entries instead of a, one full-time entry at a split entry at ECR? Well, absolutely. Maybe he needs to focus on being an owner. Let's talk about Team Carlin. Obviously, that's Charlie Kimball's number 23 Chevrolet. The Braves behind that, Davey Hamilton and Matt Grizzly. Uh, in, in the 2017 season, um, he finished 17th with uh, Chip Canassi Racing. What are your thoughts? Carlin was not at the level I thought they would be, considering they were, you know, compared to the other new teams like UCOS, et cetera, they had more uh, experience in the driving department and the team department, and yet they still struggled. Of course, having the Chevrolet engine, I think, is hurting them a little bit as opposed to the Honda, even though Team Penske has the, the Chevrolet engine. Uh, like I said in my team rankings, uh, a couple of weeks ago, I put them at number 10. As I said, bailed a little. They get to, you know, competitive nature by the time the 8500 comes up, and I put a baby down there because uh, I thought this was going to be a team that was going to be running among the, you know, mainstays uh, right off the bat with who they had in Children and Kimball, and unfortunately at St. Pete, that didn't happen. Right. Well, talk with us a little bit about Max Chilton. Uh, obviously, he's a part of that, that group as well. Led 50 last board at 81 last year. Uh, certainly was a very aggressive driver, defensive driver, was able to hang on. And to keep in mind, he was just seven laps away last year from winning the Indy 500 if he had held off uh, Elio, Takuma, and uh, Ed Jones. And then obviously Kimball, always a threat in Indy, has multiple top ten finishes there, finished third in 2015. So the chemistry and the pieces are there. It's just with the Chevrolet engine, unless Chevrolet has made improvements and Again, that's been called into question after what happened at St. Pete uh, with the performance, certainly, of T. Petsky uh, being on par. Of course, a few issues uh, at the start of the race with Will Power and a couple of the other drivers influenced that. But, uh, yeah, this is not a situation where Petsky expects to be. I mean, even with the, I mean, with the extra cars, and I hate to mention it, could we be talking a 1995 uh, nightmare for Petsky again should something happen where Let's assume one of their cars crashes on pole day. Can they get another car ready to, you know, defend their position and get get in the 8500 field? We could have another nightmare similar to 1995 uh, for Team Petsky again at the 8500. 
Well, absolutely, absolutely. We're talking with Matthew Embry of, uh, at Open Wheel Now. Uh, we're getting ready for uh, Phoenix coming up next weekend, uh, talking about some of the teams and the, and the racing teams that we're going to be looking at. Let's look at the 2015 Rookie of the Year, Gabby Chavez. Uh, certainly uh, Harding Racing over there and the number uh, 88 Chevrolet. Uh, the, the, the brains behind that is Brian Barnhart and uh, Matt Curry. Uh, certainly the pieces are in place. It's time for Gabby Chavez to step up and make, a, make, a, uh, make some noise, if you will. There's a situation, though, it's not necessarily about speed. It's, it's about survival. That's how they got the ninth place finish at last year's Indy 500. That's how they finished fifth at Texas. Also got a top ten at Pocono. Uh, they're going to need to find a little more moxie. Uh, they made it to the finish at St. Pete's. That was a good result for them there. I uh, consider they had never run on a road course. Uh, just like Carla, though, they're still uh, with some growing pains right now. It's still trying to get used to a full schedule of races so uh still a bare side pots of that car that's something i don't want to see on there obviously you'd hope that they'd have a you know a full-time backer eventually at some point uh, willing to support them but uh ultimately uh a team that i got i'm surprised to say it uh, is ahead of where carlin racing is at this point i thought they'd be ahead of you coast but uh ahead of carlin uh very surprised about that but uh Still, they've got a lot of work to do to move this car from a back-of-the-pack position to a mid-pack position where we look ahead to, you know, qualifying and then the race ahead uh, for the Indianapolis 500 on May 27th. Let's talk about Andretti Racing, particularly Marco Andretti. Uh, Marco, you know, told Motorsports.com that he understands the criticism that he's getting. You know, here's the thing. Quite quite frankly, uh, maybe he's got a lot of pressure because of that uh, Andretti pedigree name uh, to live up to that name. But let's just call it what it is. Uh, Marco Andretti is not racing like an Andretti. Well, the pressure is Marco's going to get a different part. So he's now in his 30s now. He's now a married man uh, looking to start a family, and sometimes it is tough to balance, uh, you know, being competitive as a driver and trying to start a family. I mean, we've seen that before with multiple drivers, and, uh, yeah, I mean, it's good between him and Miss Krupa, but, uh, yeah, it's a difficult uh, scenario of getting used to it. You've got a lot of things that have got to change, and... Maybe Marco just isn't ready for it. Of course, before that, he was lacking competitiveness. He had a decent run at St. Pete, was mid-pack. But uh, considering, you know, his teammates, Ryan Hunter-Ray, et cetera, and the fact they're running six cars again, uh, if an Indy 500 driver wins, you know, the Indy 500 for Andretti again, uh, the more likely scenario is it's probably not going to be Marco Andretti. It's probably going to be someone like a Ryan Hunter-Ray, a Carlos Munoz, um, Alexander Rossi, what are those three, as opposed to Marco Andretti, Stefan Wilson, or Zach Veach? Absolutely, absolutely. So let's, uh, let's talk a little bit about when you mentioned her in, in passing a while ago, and that was certainly the, the uh, car for the Indy 500 for the final race of Danica Patrick has been uh, unveiled. But talk with us a little bit about Danica Patrick, the racer, uh, obviously, she is a fan favorite. Um, you know, I think uh, she she carries a lot of criticism uh, with her, but she's done a lot for the uh, for females and for women in racing. Uh, certainly did a lot for for racing itself. So certainly got to give her credit where credit's due. Denica Patrick returns to Indianapolis 500 uh, for her final race. 
Well, she's got a better chance to win the race than Pippa Mann does. We'll start at that fact. In fact, Pippa Mann, I'm starting to wonder whether or not she's going to make this field again with the extra cars and how she's struggled to qualify the last couple of years with lack of pace and accidents. Uh, I still think, though, she has the wrong engine. Uh, I think she needed to get a Honda engine to really give herself a realistic shot to win this race. It's not to say Chevrolet won't be super off the pace, but uh, compared to last year and how hard Helio Helio Castaneda had to drive his car late to even be in the running. In fact, I think the fact that he suffered damage in the Dixon accident actually helped his car and by taking some of the downforce off and making it faster. But uh, ultimately, uh, if Danica really wanted to win this race, I think she needed to find a Honda partner instead of a Chevrolet. Now, granted, Ed Carpenter Racing could be the fastest Chevrolet team at Indy in terms of qualifying. I don't know if they're going to have the pace, though, to be able to maintain it when we get to race day. And for Danica Patrick fans out there, they're hoping for a win. Uh, I still think it's a long shot at this point. I say the same thing also if you're talking about Ed Carpenter or Spencer Piggott on that team. They just don't, I believe, are going to have the race pace uh, to be a serious challenger against all those Hondas, especially the ones from Ganassi. And then you got the six from Andretti to beat as well. And then you've got a Schmidt-Peterson team and even a Dale Coy team that showed pace. So keep in mind, the numbers favor for Honda. You have 19 Hondas that are on the entry list already. Chevrolet's not going to have nearly that number. And while I think Honda is sitting good with their 19, they have a good chance to get all 19 of their cars in, uh, Chevrolet, who could have as many as 17 or 18, there's at least three or four positions which I believe are going to have their engines that are not probably not going to make this race. Matthew, let's talk a little bit about some of these drivers here while we still got some time with you. Sebastian Bourdais, uh, certainly uh, uh, the number 18 Honda there with DCR Racing. Uh, Dale Coyne's got to be happy with his performance. Well, obviously good on the road course. There's still a question mark what they'll do at Phoenix next week. Uh, that's not been a track that Coyne's been too overly successful at. Showed a lot of pace at Indy on Fast Friday last year. Unfortunately, the crash involving uh, Bourdais tampered that somewhat. Uh, Davison had a good run before he crashed out of the race at Bourdais' place. And obviously, Ed Jones could have had a chance to win the race, but uh, had a broken front nose uh, code late in the race, which prevented him from being able to challenge uh, alongside uh, Castroneves and Sato for the race win, even though he still finished third. So... Uh, the opportunity's there, but uh, again, with Bourdais, but then you've got question marks. Uh, Connor Daly should be somewhat competitive, although ovals have not necessarily been his thing. And then, of course, the question is, could Pippa Mad bounce back from her funk the last couple, or funk, F-U-N-K, not the other word, I apologize. <laughs> and then, obviously, <laughs> the last two, uh, Pietro Filippaldi, and then, obviously, with Pippa, like I said, uh You've got to be careful in this business, knowing that I do voice tracks and stuff like that now. But also you got to realize that, yes, some rookies have t- won this race in the past. Obviously, Alexander Rossi won it a couple years ago. But you have to have the card. You've got to be able to learn the game fast enough. And considering Pietro Fittipaldi has not driven a race until we get to Phoenix this next weekend, uh, there's still some question marks out there. You just don't learn this thing uh, right off the bat and become fast. Uh especially with now these cars are now aboard the driver's hands now, according to most of the drivers you talk to at the paddock, uh, it is going to be a tough learning curve for the rookies uh, to get these new car or at least a new body style uh, up to speed. 
Graham Rahal of uh, uh, Letterman uh, Rahal. I'm sorry, I can't talk either. Rahal Letterman Racing. Uh, talk with us a little bit about him and his challenges that he's going to be facing out in Phoenix. Well, like I said, I think the better chance uh, for a Phoenix victory for Rahal Letterman Lanigan is with Graham Rahal and not Takuma Sato. Uh, Rahal does have some oval track wins, just hasn't been competitive at Indy. Uh, the big thing, though, I think with Phoenix right now is, is there going to be ability for guys that don't qualify well to be competitive? Because uh, it's always been a track, even in the 80s and 90s, where it's been tough to overtake. Uh, they have been talking about artificially putting down rubber on a second lane and then trying to get the guys to work it in during practice to see if they can get two lanes of action in the turns. But uh, ultimately, uh, I think the key to getting competitive is getting off a of turn three and four flat out and then being able to outbreak someone coming into turn one. Because uh, I don't know if they're going to have the willingness of the drivers when they actually get down to or got the willingness to, you know, get that second lane worked in if they have to artificially set it. Alexander Rossi, Andretti Autosports, he's uh, doing better than the uh, Marco Andretti that we just referred to in the number 27 Honda. Certainly he's another American driver there uh, for Andretti. Yeah, originally I thought Ryan Hunter Ray was going to be the biggest star for the championship, but I think right now if you're talking about a guy that could lift the Astro Cup after Sonoma, I think Rossi is the best bet. Now needs a little more consistency, needs to find the winner's circle a little more often than the, just the one race he won last year. But uh, he certainly is capable of getting there. Now the question is, is the team going to be able to get him all the way? I mean, they've got ample backing from Dapa Auto Parts. And uh, you look at uh, the situations right there. Of course, though, there's the danger of running four cars is that uh, you extend yourself out maybe a little bit too much during the season as opposed to Indy. And uh, be very curious to see where their situation heads uh, once we get through the Indy 500. Because when they enter six cars like that, it's clear to me that Michael Andretti has more interest in winning the Indy 500, though, as opposed to winning an IndyCar championship. And if they want to win IndyCar championships again, maybe they need to loosen the load just a little bit uh, for Indy. Now, granted, uh, IndyCar's not going to be thrilled with that. Mark Miles wants as many cars as possible. But uh, ultimately, while it's great for Indy the strength of numbers, I don't know if it's necessarily helping them in terms of trying to win championships uh, in the remaining races. Talking with Matthew Embry, our official IndyCar contributor. We're one week away from the next IndyCar uh, race out in Phoenix, out in the desert. Let's talk about my favorite Canadian, Mr. James Hinchcliffe. Uh, loving his uh, new uh, television commercials uh, that he's doing. Uh, pretty cool, uh, obviously, with Schmidt-Peterson racing in the number five Honda. Talk with us a little bit about James Hinchcliffe, the mayor of Hinchtown. Thing is, though, with IndyCar, what took them so long? Because I've been saying for years, Hitchcliffe is the kind of guy that could be the perfect promotional key to getting fans involved. And the fact it's yes, taken them three years to get him, uh, you know, on television with these, you know, primetime commercials, uh, it's just baffling to me. But uh, yeah, Smith's back into it right now. Obviously, the moves during the offseason bringing in Pierce Phillip, uh, Lena Gate have made a big difference uh, in the technical side of things. Uh, you saw it with uh, Hitchcliffe. The question is, though, Robert Wickens looks so good at St. Pete prior to the incident with Rossi at the end of the race. How will he fare at his first oval start? Now, granted, the good thing for him is before the 8500, there is one oval prep race to get him ready and in the mood, and then obviously the open test coming up in late April that's been rescheduled after the snow that we had at Indy uh, last month. 
But uh, ultimately, I think the bigger question mark right now is Wickens and uh, how he fares in his first oval attempt uh, in an IndyCar. I totally agree with you on what you were saying about Hinchcliffe. I, I thought for a long time he could be a great ambassador for the sport. Uh, so uh, maybe uh, uh, the promotion into uh, the IndyCar series itself, uh, Kirk Cabin, obviously a longtime writer here in Indianapolis for the Indianapolis Star, is one of the uh, big kahunas in the communication uh, part of IndyCar now. And so uh, maybe uh, that has something to, to do with that. You know, just got you for a, a few more minutes here, but certainly want to talk a little bit about Ryan Hunter Ray, another Ann's Ready, uh, number 28 Honda. Always competitive in Indianapolis. Uh, has done okay in the other oval events, but not necessarily Phoenix. I think the key right now is that can he get a good qualifying run and get a good grid position because he's had to work from uh, mid to the back of the pack. Now, granted, he does have a short oval win at Iowa a couple years ago, but uh, I still need to see more uh, from Hunter Ray before I consider him to be a threat uh, for victory next week. Another fan favorite, Mr. Scott Dixon of Chip Canassi uh, racing in his number nine Honda. If he could avoid being his own worst enemy like he was at St. Pete, I think he's got certainly a good chance. Uh, Obviously, Penske or Ganassi has had some okay runs there. Uh, Amazing for what they've done. They've never won there. Of course, granted, they were a kart team during the late 80s, early 2000s when uh, Indy Racing League was running at Phoenix. But uh, one of the few places where Ganassi has yet to win, uh, good chance for Dixon. Uh, still saw the article that IndyCar.com posted that Ganassi thinks that Jones, has, Ed Jones, his other new driver, has uh, only scratched the surface of what he could achieve. He needs to pick up the pace, though, in a big way, though. He was certainly, I'd say, of the disappointments uh, we had at St. Pete, uh, Ed Jones had to be one of them. Joseph Newgarden in the number one Chevrolet American. Doesn't get any more American than Joseph Newgarden, that's for sure. What are your thoughts? Penske right now in that Chevrolet uh, still is the question mark. I mean, it was a boat anchor uh, for everyone except for Will Power. Newgarden was off the pace. Pagano was off the pace. Uh, not a good way to start the season. And you would have thought with just three cars, they'd be more competitive because they have more technical staff for each of the cars. But, uh, if you go by what happened uh, at St. Pete, that certainly didn't happen. But Phoenix was a place they dominated last year, and if they have the downforce package for this show oval set up, uh, they'll be good at Phoenix. But i got to say, uh, Log Beach looks iffy, Alabama looks iffy, and with the horsepower advantage I think that Honda still enjoys, uh, they could be once again uh, marred at mid-pack when we get to qualifying uh, weekend for the Indy 500 again. Now, you mentioned a little bit about Ed Jones earlier in the number 10 Honda uh, from Chip Canassi. Anything else you want to add about him going into Phoenix? He's got to show that he could be the guy uh, right now. The training wheels are off right now. Uh, was very uncompetitive. And remember, Ganassi's only got two shots at this. So this has got to, he's got to figure this out sometime before Ganassi says, okay, this isn't going to work. We need to go in another direction. So I'd say right now, uh, the pressure is on Ed Jones to start performing in the Reds leading up to the Indianapolis 500. Uh, if Ganassi wants to have a serious chance where he doesn't have to put all the pressure squarely behind uh, Scott Dixon in order to get a result. Well, as we wrap up things and put a bow on it, let's talk about our favorite uh, uh, Aussie in the Chevrolet uh, number 12, Will Power, Team Penske. Right now, I think he's the best bet for Penske at this point. Uh, 
if he hadn't have made the errors at St. Pete, I think he would have been right up there as opposed to Newgard and Pagino. And uh, at this point, depending on what happens in qualifying, if Petsky has a chance to win at Phoenix, the best bet probably is with Will Power. You know, another one of my favorites that I love to watch uh, out at the track every single year, and that's TK, number 14 in the Chevrolet. Uh, obviously, Helen from Brazil, A.J. Foyt, uh, Enterprising. He's kind of been around. Uh, if you want to say he's maybe ra- raced for every team would be not a real literal statement, but he's certainly raced for many teams, and he's now uh, uh, with A.J. Foyt Racing. What are your thoughts? Well, the partnership start, started well at St. Pete. They got both. They got took a nod to the finish. Uh, Matthias Lice, his new Brazilian teammate, had a great qualifying run, made it to the fire so fast six, crashed out early. Uh, Leist, I think, has the potential to get there, but he's hopefully doesn't get into the uh, business like Thomas Schechter did as a rookie in 2002, where he was super competitive but couldn't get the car to the finish, kept ending up in the feds. So uh be very curious to see how uh, A.J. Foyt uh, – he likes aggressive drivers, but maybe drivers that aren't so aggressive uh, where they keep tearing up equipment. So be interested to see how Lice does it, if he can make it to the finish uh, next weekend in Phoenix. Because he certainly has the potential uh, to be a very competitive driver uh, on the IndyCar circuit in the years ahead. All right. Uh, the final driver that we got time for today, Simon Patajan from France, driving the number Chevy 22 uh, for Team Penske. Talents there, but like I said with Petsky, is the horsepower there to allow Pagano to be competitive? That's the only question I have with uh, Pagano, Petsky, Newgarden, and Power at this point. And obviously, Elio, when he joins the party. Exactly, exactly. Seven days, 12 hours, three minutes, and 27 seconds till we take the track out there in uh, Phoenix. Who takes the checkered flag, sir, in the desert? If I had to guess right now, with the little information I have available, I would say maybe either Scott Dixon or James Hitchcliffe at this point, but that's only a maybe based on what we've got because uh, questions about Petsky being able to be competitive and then obviously Dale Coyne racing on ovals. If they show a little more, then maybe someone from Petsky, maybe Sebastian Bourdais joins the mix, but right now, if I had to guess, maybe Scott Dixon or Hitchcliffe or one of those guys uh, is competitive. Final four today. Who gets to the championship game on Monday? Villanova gets there. Michigan gets there. And I think Villanova has enough firepower to beat Michigan, even though they certainly have a lot of talent and a lot of emotional power, especially in that uh, everyone's favorite German, Moritz Fogner. <laughs> Absolutely. All right. Well, we got to wrap it up, put a bowl on. We're going to take a break. We'll be breaking down the Final Four in more depth uh, coming up here soon with uh, with uh, Rick uh, Riggin, our college analyst, Mo from the BS Sports Show. Also, Grant Ossoff uh, from the Kokomo Tribune and IndySports.com uh, is going to be joining us talking about the Pacers making it to the playoffs. Matthew, where can people find your work and your, and your masterpieces, sir? Don't forget uh, M-A-T-T-E-M-B-U-R-Y and Popular Open Wheel. And also, for those of you in the South Bend, Mishawaka area, they get WSBT on the main feed only. The coverage of Final Four starts at 4.30 with pregame and runs through the completion of game number two. The madness continues. Matthew, you have yourself a good uh, uh, Final Four weekend and a happy Easter, sir. Same to you, Tom. All right, thank you. Matthew Embry of At Open Wheel.
IndyCarRacing.com, our official IndyCar contributor, breaking down the upcoming race in exactly seven days out in the desert in Phoenix. My name is Tom Marquez, El Presidente. we got a lot more to come right here on the Balance Radio Network. Bobby, you're here again. Yeah, my doctor told me to reduce stress at work, so I come to Buffalo Wild Wings to eat lunch and watch sports. I get to pick one of seven entrees, like sandwiches and salads, plus one of seven sides. Well, I like sides. It's so affordable, I can finally take a vacation. Where are you going to go? Here, Tim, here. Introducing the new B-Dub Fast Break Lunch Menu, starting at a new low price. Dine-in or order takeout weekdays between 11 and 2. Participation and availability may vary. Buffalo Wild Wings. Wings, beer, sports. It's double trouble, double the fun. At African Safari Wildlife Park in Port Clinton, Ohio, see the largest antelope on Earth, the giant eland, and the ugliest creature on Earth, the African warthog. There's so much to see and do, including the Midwest's only drive through safari. Feed the animals. See live educational shows. Feel the excitement. Have your picture taken with a python or cockatoo. Feel the adventure. Shop the Simba Lodge gift shop with items available from around the globe. Visit the snack bar or picnic facilities. Enjoy a pony or camel ride. Or cheer your favorite porker on to victory in the famous Pork Chop Down. Bring your family to see the rare and exotic animals at African Safari Wildlife Park in Portland, Ohio. Just take Route 2 to the Route 53 North exit and follow the sign. Only 17 miles west of Cedar Point via Route 6. Open every day, rain or shine. When you don't go to Geico.com, car insurance can be confusing. Like Swedish techno confusing. Bark, bark, meow, meow. Dance with me, purple cow. Bark, bark, meow, meow. Ooh, you lovely cow. Geico makes it easy. With 24-7 access, all you have to do is go to Geico.com and you can save money on car insurance. It just makes sense. Unlike, you know. Dance with me, purple cow. I like your mood. When you don't go to Geico.com, car insurance can be hard. Like early 90s heavy metal hard. I'm yelling and screaming and I'm loud. Roar. Geico makes it easy. You can review and update your policy or report a claim on Geico.com or the Geico mobile app. Because shouldn't we all have a little less stress in our lives? My name is Tom Marcus El Presidente. Half an hour-ish or so in the bookish, if you will. And uh, thank you to Matthew Embry of Open Will now joining us, talking with us a little bit about IndyCar out in the desert coming up in seven days. That's right. 
seems like we've got this big, long offseason from the time that IndyCar starts to the time that it picks back up. Uh, joining us now, uh, and I, I think he's got a crew with him, uh, Rick Riggin, our official college contributor uh, and all-around great guy, calling from Evansville, Indiana. At least I think he's in Evansville. I'm not sure exactly where he's at. And I believe uh, we got Terry Beard with us as well. Uh, so, uh, Rick, we'll let you do roll call. How are you, sir? Uh, doing good, and yes, I have Terry Beard with me. How you doing, Tom? Fantastic. It's Easter weekend. Final Four weekend is here. I tell you what, does life get any better than it does this weekend? Final Four, Loyola, Michigan, first game out the gate today. What say you, sir? Uh, I think uh, this game actually plays into the hands of Michigan because of their defense. Their defense is built to uh, uh, just uh, slow teams down, keep games low scoring, and that's totally uh, the the opposite way. Loyola likes to run their offense because Loyola is, likes to get out and run. They like to fly around. They want to make a fast-paced game out of it, and I, I just think Michigan's defense is built in a way where they like to slow teams down. We saw that against Florida State last week, and uh, I think this game plays in the favor of Michigan. And I know you got got yourself on Bluetooth, but just as an FYI, when you're talking, maybe turn down your volume and then turn it back up when you're done talking if you're going to do it that way. Just an old trick of the trade. That way you don't get the feedback that you got well, there. Terry, I'm not on Bluetooth. Thoughts? I'm just on my phone. Oh, okay. Well, we're getting some feedback, but Go that's ahead, okay. Terry. Not the end of the world. Go ahead, Terry. Yeah, I, I agree with Rick. I think Michigan's pace and defense will is. play a big role, and Michigan's ability to play the three plus you've you got to remember Michigan's size. I know it's been a magical run for LIU, but uh, I think it ends today. If, hey, Rick, if you're listening to us on the radio and not your phone, I, I think you got. I, I think you fixed the feedback, whatever it was causing it. I think it's gone now. So go ahead, Terry. I, I apologize if I right, interrupt awesome. you there. You guys are no, crossing over each I, other. So go. I agree. I think, uh, I think Michigan's pace. And the fact that they can defend the basketball will play a big role. Their ability to shoot the three, and they're just extremely long all the way across the board. Well, you know, I always like to root for an underdog. And, you know, I, I in one of my brackets, I still have Michigan alive. So, from that aspect of it, I want to see the Wolverines uh, win a title. They obviously haven't won a title since Fisher's been the uh, the coach up there in Michigan. They've got a lot of great players. I think they've got some NBA players on their team and on their squad currently. But I like me an underdog. And I like what Loyola's been able to do. I think every, I think this has been one of the, the greatest March Madness that I've seen in a long, long time. Uh, certainly, it all got kicked off with the Retrievers uh, knocking off uh, Virginia as well. Uh, what do you guys think about overall? We'll start with you, Rick. What are your thoughts about this year's March Madness? Well, I think it's cool. I think there's it shows there's a lot more parity now in college basketball because now we're not seeing the elite teams just running the table in the tournament. Now we're getting Michigan. Nobody was talking about Michigan being the Final Four. Now we're getting these mid-majors like Loyola uh, sneaking in, you know, kind of like making a run like Wichita State did. I don't know Wichita State didn't make the Final Four, but, you know, there were those teams that were in an Elite Eight, eight team. We're seeing schools like Butler, they made back-to-back championship game appearances. So we're seeing the mid-majors come up. We're seeing the elite programs maybe, I wouldn't say take a step back, but other schools catching up with the elite. And I think that's a, that shows in this year's tournament with teams like Michigan and Loyola getting in. Well, we might be seeing a lot more of these type of teams as some of these big uh, 
big powerhouses might be falling like dominoes, uh, depending on what the FBI probe uh, seems to, to be doing. Terry, what are your thoughts overall about this year's March Madness? I, it's been the greatest tournament that I can remember for a long time. And although I love the story of the mid-major coming up, the, when it gets to be the Final Four, I want to see the elite programs. And that's why I'm rooting for Michigan today. I want to see two premier teams in the game on Monday. And I know I might be in the minority in that, but it's just my feeling. No, I think I think you're you're not in the minority at all. I think a lot of people like that uh, from the aspect of we want a true champion. We want to see who's the world champion. But you know, at, at the same caliber, when you got teams like Loyola, who's been able to come and beat some big teams and come all the way from a, a very uh, uh, I, I can't remember what seed they were, but it was what 10, 11, 12 seed all the way to a 11. championship game. 11, okay, 11 seed, all the way to a championship game. Uh, that's just something that what Rick was talking about. There's a lot of uh, uh, teams that that have good caliber players. So if you have a team like a Loyola come back and beat these powerhouses and is able to win a championship game, maybe you do have a real champion. So I, I like both, both sides of it. Let's talk a little bit about the Jayhawks of Villanova. I think a lot of people think Villanova is going to end with them. They're going to cut down the net, but they've got to get past Kansas, and they've got to get past, well, Michigan or Loyola. Uh, I think logic would say Michigan. But uh, uh, Villanova and Kansas, what do you say, Rick? Well, Villanova is the only team I have left in the Final Four that's actually who I picked to win it all. Uh, that's who I'm sticking with. Uh, I, I didn't think Kansas was a Final Four team. I you know, I didn't have that in my final four, but, man, the way they looked, looked against Duke last week, man, second thoughts there. I mean, I think Kansas can – I'm picking Villanova to win the game still, but just the way Kansas looked against Duke, they looked unbeatable. And uh, they're going to give, uh, obviously, Villanova all they can handle. So, but I'm, stick, I'm sticking with Villanova, but, man, Kansas looked great last week. Oh yeah, I've got Kansas in one of my brackets too. So you know, uh, I, I I'm I, I didn't pick Villanova on any of them, and no particular reason. I just uh, wasn't feeling it. And a lot of times, I like to go against the the grain, if you will. Everybody was picking Villanova, so I thought, well, I'm not going to pick Villanova because there's always going to be an upset. And as we saw that it was, it just wasn't with Villanova. Uh, Terry, thoughts on uh, Villanova and uh, uh, Kansas? Villanova is the only team I have left on my one of my 15,000 brackets that I filled out. But, again, <laughs> I, uh, Kansas, any team that beats Duke in the way that Kansas beats Duke has, is a team to be reckoned with, and I actually like the Jayhawks to win it all at this point. And one of my best friends is from Lawrence, Kansas. So, there's that. And it's it, – and, Terry, I'm willing to bet that in any of those 15,000 brackets, you didn't pick uh, uh, Kentucky to fall when they when they did. You didn't pick Virginia uh, to fall when they did. You didn't pick Loyola to go as far as they did. Uh, you know, so I, I don't know if anybody could have picked a perfect bracket this year. Well, thank you. Thank you for calling me out on my bracket in, in Nebuchadnezzar. <laughs> and now, <laughs> out of all 15,000, I had Kentucky losing to Davidson. Are you there? Yeah, we're we're still here. Yeah, I had Kentucky losing oh. to Davidson. 
I got you. Well, Rick, while we still got you on the phone here, let's talk a little bit about the NFL came out with a new rule. We've seen it being played out in college. We'll see how it plays out in the NFL. The NFL's got a new targeting rule uh, that uh, they're putting into effect. It'll actually become official in May. Yeah, the only thing I'm worried about, the uh, targeting rule, is when a receiver catches the ball and they always dive forward to get an extra couple yards, if there's contact made during that dive, is that going to be considered leading with the head and targeting? And I know that's not targeting, but leading with the helmet is one of the uh, things they're trying to crack down on. So I'm just wondering when guys are trying to make a play and they dive forward for a couple extra yards, if there's contact made during that dive, will that be considered a, a penalty? Well, and go ahead, The other thing with that is anytime a running back hits a hole, his head is down. So – um, so we're at a bachelor party kind of thing. So there's there's a peanut gallery going on out here. Um, anytime a running back hits a hole, his head is down. And then uh, how are you going to adjudify those calls? And then how many replays is this going to involve? It already impacts the length of college football games. Oh yeah, it's uh, going to be replay city. We'll see how that that, that plays out. So you, you're you're doing a bachelor party thing at this time in the morning. Is this a carryover or is this uh, something just getting started? Or what is it, Rick? It uh, this is the carryover. <laughs> this is the morning after. <laughs> <laughs> I'll be honest with you right now. I'm sitting outside at a log cabin wearing a denim speedo and a white <laughs> tank top. At 9 a.m., drinking beer, smoking a cigarette on a radio show. So that should give you all – and I'm hey. 300 pounds. And That'll those aren't jokes. Those are not there. jokes. <laughs> that's uh, that's our true demographic right there, Terry. I, no doubt about it. Uh, we'll, we'll try to get you hooked up with Joe Montana and get you in some of these underwear commercials. <laughs> well, I mean, I don't, I'm not sure. I'm not sure that America's ready for that, but I am. <laughs> <laughs> I get you, man. I, I I get you. Hey, let's talk a little bit more about uh, the uh, the NFL and the changing of the rules. And overall, we we had the owner owners meeting. We're getting ready for the draft. We'll start with you, Rick. What are your thoughts about what we've seen uh, come out of the owners meeting? And what are your thoughts about uh, going forward into the twenty nineteen season? I guess eighteen nineteen season. <laughs> Well, the only thing I know that's come out of the owners' meetings is just the rule changes, right, or what they're trying to do to crack yeah. down on some of the injuries. Uh, you know, I just uh, – yeah. like I was joking with you the other day, I was like, if only we had more replay to determine what's a football move and what's going to be a uh, leading with the helmet hit. You know, what a, a lot of this seems like it's going to slow the game down some. With the new rule changes with uh, what a catch is, now that Jesse James catch it touchdown a couple years ago it is actually a touchdown with this new rule change. So how are they going to – I it just seems like to me there's going to be more replay during the game to determine if you actually did make a football move, if you took a step, you know, in the right direction or try to avoid a tackle or whatever whatever it might be. So, you know, it, it's it's like in the 80s and 90s, you know, you didn't have anything like this. Guy caught the ball and went down with it. Uh, it was a catch, and now we just don't know because – the ball moved a, a half an inch in his hand or something like that, you know, after he made contact with the ground or something. So I just think a lot of these rules are going to slow the game down with the replay. 
Well, Jerry, let's talk a little bit about what your thoughts about coming up with the uh, NFL draft. Uh, uh, certainly, we've talked with Rick, and we've talked about the draft to great extent here on the show. It uh, looks like the, the Colts are going to stay with number six unless B- Buffalo makes a move. Uh, we'll see if they play with uh, Cleveland there. Uh, Cleveland's uh, all over the board. Uh, what are your thoughts, and maybe uh, all the way up to uh, the, the sixth uh, pick for the Colts, and, and what do you think the Browns are going to do, the Giants are going to do? What are your, what are your thoughts? Well, I think the Colts made the move they needed to make. They could trade down from three to six and still get the guy they wanted, which is Bradley Chubb. Um, if something happens beyond that, I'm not exactly sure. I think there's going to be a three or four quarterbacks taken, and then uh, the running back from Penn State, Barkley, will go to the Browns at four, or the, the Jets at four. So I think Bradley Chubb plays right into the Colts' hands because he's the guy they wanted all along. Um, as a Colts fan, it all it all comes down to whether or not twelve can still throw the ball or not. No, well, yeah, absolutely. He is throwing a football. <laughs> Uh, now, we do know that. Now, we don't know what the PRIs of that football is right now. We don't know if it's one of those little tiny uh, uh, plastic footballs that you get. But he is throwing football, so it is a, a step in the right direction. Rick, uh, you and I have talked about this on the show before. Uh, Romeo Langford, I, you may have seen my poll on Twitter yesterday. Romeo, Romeo, wherefore art thou? Where will Romeo land? And a vast majority of the people that – Answered the polls, about 75% said that they it will go, he will go to IU, which I think makes sense. This season abused him for a year. What are your thoughts on Romeo Langford? Um, well, Rick. there's two things with, yeah, you hear me, right? Yeah, I can hear you. Go ahead. Hello. Okay. Yes, I, I can uh, hear you. Two go things ahead. with Romeo that scares me. Yeah, two things with Romeo that scare me. It's a uh, Number one, I think the reason why – I feel like the reason why he didn't commit during the basketball season is so he wouldn't get booed every game because he's not going to be picking IU. And now the number two reason, uh, the rumor is he's going to wait till the end of April now to actually make the announcement. It, 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 now he's going to wait until he wins the Indiana Mr. Basketball before he picks, you know, another school that's not IU. Because if he doesn't pick IU, they're probably going to have him be Indiana Mr. Basketball now. So that's just – my goofy way of uh, thinking, I guess. You know, he didn't want to announce Vanderbilt during the season because he'd get booed at every basketball game he played in. And now he wants Indiana Mr. Basketball, but he's going to wait until after he wins that title before he makes his announcement. Why the hell would he want to go play at, at, at Vanderbilt anyway? You don't go to Vanderbilt to play basketball. You go to Vanderbilt because you want to be a doctor or something like that. You don't go to you don't go to Kansas for one year. Uh, so you go to IU. IU is where he, he'll make the most impact, and, and quite honestly, he will be seen the most uh, by NFL draft scouts. Terry, you know, I I love the Colts. I love the Cardinals, but Indiana basketball is my heart and soul. I can't imagine why a kid from Indiana that has this much hype, the most hype since Damon Bailey, would want to go anywhere but Indiana. Everything I've heard said he wants to do his announcement in the community in New Albany with the mayor of New Albany there, who is an Indiana graduate, by the way. I I don't see any way the kid picks anywhere but Indiana. Well, we'll see where he he lands at. Uh, go, Go ahead. And I, I and I could be a hundred percent wrong, but I, I, I if 
if he's ever going to come back to Indiana after his basketball career is over, whether it's over after college, whether it's over after the NBA, there's nowhere he can go but Indiana. He'll never have to buy a meal in this state again. <laughs> Absolutely. Right, I so totally me, agree with you. Let me, let me jump in real quick, though. Let me jump in. Uh, the, the deal with Vanderbilt, his best friend is also a five-star recruit, and he's already committed to Vanderbilt. So that's the reason why Vanderbilt's still in play here. And I don't think Kansas is in play anymore. Yeah, I know that's the other school that they're talking about him going to. But, you know, we talked to Kent Sterling a few weeks ago. I agree with Kent there because he would just be another five-star recruit for Kansas, you know, and that's all he'll be. But here in Indiana, he has a chance to be a Damon Bailey type, like an Indiana icon. So, I, yeah, Terry's right. He didn't have to pay for a meal, a drink, nothing the entire time he's here. So it makes sense to go to IU, but Vanderbilt is scary because his best friend is already committed to play basketball at Vanderbilt. Everything, you know, everything uh, I hear about this kid is that he's very family-oriented. He wants his parents to be able to see him play. Vanderbilt's three and a half hours or three hours and 45 minutes from New Albany. Bloomington's an hour and a half. I, 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 I like the idea of him going out of state, but I just can't see how he could turn his back on thousands of high school basketball fans at every game, chanting his name, wearing candy-striped pants. The kid's going to IU. Oh, absolutely. I think I think it only makes sense for him to go to IU. And, and to your point, Rick, about having a, a, a friend down there, trust me, he's going to make plenty of friends. Uh, and trust me, if it's one of his best friends, uh, uh, a few years difference in college because he's going to be out of there in one year anyway. Since we're talking about IU basketball, you know, I would liken him more to Steve Alford uh, than uh, anybody else. But while we're talking about IU, we want to make sure that we talk about uh, former IU basketball player Daryl Thomas died at the age of 52 from a heart attack. What are your thoughts, Rick? Uh, Terry, go ahead and take this one, man. You're older than I am. <laughs> I mean, Daryl Thomas was a, was a linchpin on the 87 team. Um, it's, a, it's a sad loss for Hoosier Nation. The kid was a worker. I know he was like a high school coach somewhere. He definitely will be missed. Um, rebound, Daryl Thomas was a beast. Absolutely. And, and, you know, and the unfortunate thing, it was very un- unexpected. So our thoughts and prayers go to the family of Daryl Thomas. Well, guys, I know you're doing your bachelor party. Any thoughts, Rick, on opening uh, week of the MLB, the Cubs? I hate the Cubs, by the way, for the record. The Cubs get the, the first homer of the first pitch in 2018. But what are your thoughts, opening week, MLB? I, it, the thing with baseball, I just I, I never understood why opening day isn't more celebrated than what it really is. Uh, with football season coming up, we get two months of excitement for it, build up and everything else. I bet half the uh, country didn't even know that uh, baseball starting up on you know this past Thursday. So, yeah, I'm sorry, Tom. We got well, trains and everything else going on in the background here. <laughs> No, that's right. I, I, totally I just disagree uh, with you, Rick. I think everybody in the world knew it was MLB uh, uh, opening day, and especially if you had T-Mobile, you knew it because they were going to get they're giving you a, a free on um, giveaway Tuesday. They gave away a free package of the MLB uh, live, where you could watch any MLB game live for the entire season. Uh, every team played on the same day. Uh, maybe just those that don't follow baseball didn't know that it was opening day, but uh, or maybe just well, baseball. Here's the difference, like though, you know. 
ahead. Here's the difference. Me and you will get on and talk NFL or college football for an entire month before it even starts. And we haven't done that at all for baseball. It's our first time this year talking about baseball. The season started a couple of days ago. So you, you see what I mean? Uh, opening day needs to be, to be more talked about, more celebrated. And I don't know why it, it, it just isn't like that. I don't know if it's the 162 games that baseball season is oversaturated and maybe we wait until August to really get excited for baseball. I, I don't know what it is. Well, I think you're right about that. I think a lot of it has to do with, you know, we're, we're, we're on the cusp of NFL. NFL's did a great job of, of really not creating an offseason. You know, we're always talking about something, in there, and they stagger out drafts and, and, uh, and uh, free agency and all of that, uh, and owners' meetings and everything. They stagger that out uh, so that you're still continuing to talk about the NFL uh, long past uh, the, the, the Super Bowl, starting with the Combine and so forth. Terry, are you a baseball yeah. fan? Yeah, I'm a, I'm a baseball fan, but it's kind of like the NBA. Until the playoffs start or until we get to the last month of the season, it's just kind of in the background. I'm more excited about the Masters than I am baseball season starting. Tiger Woods going to win it this year? Uh, I think he's got a shot. I think uh, there will be a couple old guys in the top five at the end of the weekend. I think Phil and Tiger both are hitting it well. And both will be uh, be in the be on TV a lot on Sunday. Rick Riggin and Cherry Beer giving us a call from their uh, bachelor party uh, carryover uh, <laughs> out in the woods. Uh, 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 have you got the, what was uh, what was the uh, I, I forget now what was the name of that movie where uh, these people were out in the woods and then they got ah. Uh, uh, Man, I can't remember the name Fr- of it. Friday the 13th? No, no. You talking Friday the 13th? Okay. The Dueling Banjos part of it. Oh. Uh, do, 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 do. oh. Um, Deliverance. <laughs> Deliverance, yeah. Yeah. You're at, the, you're at the corner of BFE, and you sure do got a pretty mouth. Yeah. Feel <laughs> like a pig. Squeal like a pig. Rick, are you making anybody squeal like yeah. a pig? No, that's Terry's <laughs> <All right>, job. Right. <laughs> <laughs> well, you guys have a good week. Hey, uh, real, real quickly, Rick, before we let you go, what's going on over there, 12 versus 5? Isn't that your new website? Yeah, 12 versus 5.com, sports entertainment. But it is the only website, sports website, where anybody can go on and, and talk about sports, post where they want to post on it, and it shows up on the home page, on the front page. Uh, all you have to do, uh, there's a menu, and the menu options, just hit post it, and you're set to go. It's anonymous, or you can leave your name. Uh, it's uh, security on it's 100%. So, yeah, like I said, you can. it's anonymous also, which is great, cool. Um, you know, if you want to leave an anonymous post, I guess the dirtier the better. But uh, it's the only sports website that I know of anyway, that you can actually write a blog, write an article, write something short, something that on your mind about sports. You like this, you don't like that, or just anything you want to get off your chest, uh, com is the only web sports website where you can do that, post anonymously, anonymously, and it shows up on the home page. Rick, where can people find your work and your masterpieces, sir? So, yeah, so it's uh, com and also on Twitter at Riggin underscore Rick. All right, Rick, have yourself a good uh, wedding 
day or whatever you guys got going on there. I appreciate you jumping on with yeah. us. Yeah, not a problem, right. man. Always fun. Thank you. All right, Rick Reagan, our college analyst, uh, joined us uh, from deep in the woods in southern Indiana today. My name is Tom Mark LaSalle, President Jay. We're going to take a break. We'll be right back right here on the Balance Radio Network. Bobby, you're here again. Yeah, my doctor told me to reduce stress at work, so I come to Buffalo Wild Wings to eat lunch and watch sports. I get to pick one of seven entrees, like sandwiches and salads, plus one of seven sides. Well, I like sides. It's so affordable, I can finally take a vacation. Where are you going to go? Here, Tim, here. Introducing the new B-Dub Fast Break Lunch Menu, starting at a new low price. Dine-in or order takeout weekdays between 11 and 2. Participation and availability may vary. Buffalo Wild Wings. Wings, beer, sports. It's double trouble, double the fun. At African Safari Wildlife Park in Port Clinton, Ohio. See the largest antelope on Earth, the giant eland, and the ugliest creature on Earth, the African warthog. There's so much to see and do, including the Midwest's only drive through safari. Feed the animals. See live educational shows. Feel the excitement. Have your picture taken with a python or cockatoo. Feel the adventure. Shop the Simba Lodge gift shop with items available from around the globe. Visit the snack bar or picnic facilities. Enjoy a pony or camel ride. Or cheer your favorite porker on to victory in the famous Pork Chop Down. Bring your family to see the rare and exotic animals at African Safari Wildlife Park in Portland, Ohio. Just take Route 2 to the Route 53 North exit and follow the sign. Only 17 miles west of Cedar Point via Route 6. Open every day, rain or shine. When you don't go to Geico.com, car insurance can be confusing. Like Swedish techno confusing. Bark, bark, meow, meow. Dance with me, purple cow. Bark, bark, meow, meow. Ooh, you lovely cow. Geico makes it easy. With 24-7 access, all you have to do is go to Geico.com and you can save money on car insurance. It just makes sense. Unlike, you know. Dance with me, purple cow. I like your mood. When you don't go to Geico.com, car insurance can be hard. Like, early 90s heavy metal hard. I'm yelling and screaming and I'm loud. Roar. Geico makes it easy. You can review and update your policy or report a claim on Geico.com or the Geico mobile app. Because shouldn't we all have a little less stress in our lives? I'm not even upset about anything. Welcome back to The Balance. My name is Tom Mark Lassell, Presidente. One hour in the books. Thanks to Matthew Embry who joined us earlier talking IndyCar, official IndyCar contributor from At Open Wheel. Talking also a little uh, Final Four action. 
And joining us also was uh, a great conversation with Rick Riggin and Terry Beard down in the woods of southern Indiana at a cabin doing a bachelor party weekend. Uh, and uh, that's dedication for you. You know, the thing is, we uh, – we shamed him publicly. We crucified him publicly uh, because he was supposed to call us from the first round one and two uh, of the March Madness down in Nashville. Uh, but uh, he abandoned the show uh, so because he wanted to sleep in because he stayed out too late the night before. So when he told me he had this coming on, I said, your punishment is you got to call from Deep Woods. I'm Southern Indiana. <laughs> Appreciate Terry joining us as well. Uh, Terry jumps on with us every now and then, especially during college football uh, season as well. Sounds like they're having a great time down there. We're standing by. We're efforting trying to get connected with Grant Ossif. Uh He's calling us from out in Arizona. He's where he's a college student. Also writes for the college, uh, uh, Kokomo Tribune and I'm sorry, in IndieSportsCoverage.com. Uh, Does a lot of work on the Pacers. Wanted to talk with him a little bit about the Pacers getting to uh, the playoffs this year. Uh, and I don't think anybody, uh, I don't think anybody expected uh, any any anything more than what the at least this is about the most we did expect to happen. And I think if we thought uh, early on, if, if we thought the Pacers were going to go to the playoffs this year, I think everybody would have called you crazy. Total rebuild mode. So uh, you know, hats off to Olin Depot and, and gang out there at, uh, on with the Pacers. And so we're, we're standing by. Hopefully we'll, we'll get uh, with him. Anyway, Mo from the BS Sports Show is going to be joining us here in a bit. Going to be breaking down opening week of the MLB. The Cardinals go back to battle today against the Mets. Wasn't such a great showing. We'll see what happens. Do got to give props to Cubs, though. Cubs uh, uh, starting off the 2018 season with a win. Uh, got the first homer with the first pitch in the MLB uh, season. You know, speaking of the Cubs and the, Mar- and the Marlins they were playing, you know, the MLB, what they did for opening day on every stadium that had a game, uh, they scheduled flyovers, the military uh, flyovers. Well, the flyover happened in Florida. The only thing is they didn't have the roof open, so... Everybody missed it, I believe. So I thought that was somewhat hilarious. 917-889-8516 is my digits. We've got the Final Four going on this weekend. And, and you know, we might even have uh, Joe from Plainfield call in. I, I talked with Joe yesterday, and uh, we'll see if we can get him on as well. But I'm not sure if we're going to get with him. You never know with Joe from Plainfield. Joe Joe from Playfield very well may have lost his phone, uh, very well may have ended up uh, in on a motorcycle somewhere, or you never know what's going to happen with uh, Joe from Plainfield. But Final Four weekend, what a journey it's been. Let's talk about Loyola. Loyola has went from, I believe, 11 seed all the way to the Final Four weekend. They are one game away from being in the championship game with the big dance. So uh, we'll see what happens uh, with Sister Jean. As, as Michigan, I was talking to a diehard Michigan fan yesterday. I said, you up on your prayers? It's Easter weekend. <laughs> it's Easter weekend, and uh, Sister Jean has got uh, her, her, her 
body of angels, if you will, that uh, uh, <laughs> well, maybe we'll get them through the wind. So we'll see. Uh, honestly, in all fairness uh, to uh, Loyola, I, I love watching them. I think they, they are have got a great story. And, you know, certainly, unfortunately, as they say, and you know what? I hope I'm wrong. I, I'll stand here today and say, I hope I'm wrong. I don't think that I am, but I hope that I'm wrong uh, that uh, Loyola beats uh, Michigan and goes on to the final game. you got Michigan, though. It's just a very, very good team. Uh, they're aching for a title. They've got some NBA-caliber type players on their team. And i tell you what, if, if we see uh, the Michigan show up this week that we show, saw show up last week, Loyola is going to just uh, – have to call the season. Uh, so also we've got Kansas, Villanova. A lot of people like Villanova. Nova going to the uh, championship game, cutting down the net. I think it's a very popular, uh, very popular uh, feel, if you will. So we'll we'll see what happens there. I think Kansas, you know, certainly picked up their speed a little bit better and momentum when they were able to get some wins. But uh, certainly. Um, wasn't uh, the season. I don't think that they, that they, that they thought that they were going to have. So 917-889-8516 is our digits if you want to call and uh, talk Final Four, if you want to talk MLB, if you want to talk the NFL, the new NFL targeting rule, whatever's on your mind. And as we uh, effort to try to get in touch with Grant uh, Alstiff, again, he's a college student, so who knows what happens with uh, uh, college students. My name is Tom Marquis, El Presidente. We got a break to catch up on. We'll be right back right here on the Balance Radio Network. Buffalo Wild Wings to eat lunch and watch sports. I get to pick one of seven entrees, like sandwiches and salads, plus one of seven sides. Well, I like sides. It's so affordable, I can finally take a vacation. Where are you going to go? Here, Tim. Here. Introducing the new B-Dub Fast Break Lunch Menu, starting at a new low price. Dine-in or order takeout weekdays between 11 and 2. Participation and availability may vary. Buffalo Wild Wings. Wings, beer, sports. It's double trouble, double the fun. At African Safari Wildlife Park in Port Clinton, Ohio, see the largest antelope on Earth, the giant eland, and the ugliest creature on Earth, the African warthog. There's so much to see and do, including the Midwest's only drive through safari. Feed the animals. See live educational shows. Feel the excitement. Have your picture taken with a python or cockatoo. Feel the adventure. 
Shop the Symbol Lodge gift shop with items available from around the globe. Visit the snack bar or picnic facilities. Enjoy a pony or camel ride. Or cheer your favorite porker on to victory in the famous Pork Chop Down. Bring your family to see the rare and exotic animals at African Safari Wildlife Park in Portland, Ohio. Just take Route 2 to the Route 53 North exit and follow the sign. Only 17 miles west of Cedar Point via Route 6. Open every day, rain or shine. Do have our caller back? I, I understand that he has a very important question about the Super Bowl. Uh, go ahead, caller. What's, what's your question about the Super Bowl? Uh, hi, my name's Joe. I'm calling from Plainfield, Indiana. Um, I was wondering, you know, there's been a lot of talk about what the Super Bowl may be, what it, you know, what it may not be, what it could be, all these sorts of things about the Super Bowl, and I think that's great. I think it's important. Um, I did have one question. I've got this container. It's uh, large. It's orange, round. Um, it's got some bats on it, some skulls. Um, it's what we put the uh, the candy in for the kids on Halloween. It's about. Hold on now. I've got my tape measure here. Yeah, it's about fifteen and a no fifteen and three quarter inches in diameter. I was wondering, Tom. Now, does this qualify as a Super Bowl, or are there different definitions on what might qualify that? I think that qualifies as a super duper bowl. I think it does too. All right, thanks for your time, Tom. I do appreciate that. Y'all have a great, blessed day now, okay? <laughs> you too. All right, and welcome back to the balance. Of course, that was our, our, our first uh, meeting of Joe from Plainfield uh, on our Super Bowl special, so I had to play that. Joe from Plainfield joins us, one of our new uh, uh, favorite uh, expert analysts that we bring on board. Joe, uh, how are you doing, Final Four weekend? Are you ready uh, for a, a, a March Madness? How's your brackets uh, turned out this, this, this month? Hey, good morning, Tom. Thanks for having me on. Uh, I appreciate it. And I will just say, I'm looking forward to the the next Super Bowl. Um, that's now that's October 31st, or am I getting my bowls confused again? <laughs> you might be getting your bowls confused again, but we'll certainly be talking about who will who has a possibility of being in the Super Bowl. Uh, then that's for sure, because that's the end of October. That's November. We'll, we'll have a good idea of who to talk about uh, in in the uh, the Super Bowl. We got Loyola uh, Cinderella team against Michigan Wolverines. You've got Kansas and Villanova all playing today for a a uh, final dance in the big dance. What say you, sir? Loyal is going to win it. Um, I think that for a few reasons. Uh, one, their mascot is a wolf, but it's called a rambler. I think just from sheer confusion, they're going to be able to continue to confuse their op- their opponents. And I think it's really going to work in their favor. Um, you know, wolves are pack animals. And when they're rambling across the final four, I think they're going to come away with it if that makes sense to you. Um, in terms that of makes, my bracket, that makes Tom, perfect sense. it's trash. My, <laughs> my bracket's well, pretty much non-existent at this point. But, hey, that doesn't mean that I can't enjoy um, watching watching the basketball. So you've got a wolf and a wolverine on one end, and you've got a wildcat and a jayhawk on the other end. What are your thoughts about Kansas and Villanova? 
Well, that's a good question, Tom. Um, <laughs> I think I think Kansas is frankly overrated. Um, now that may be a controversial statement, seeing as how they're you know in the Final Four, but it is what it is, Tom. It is what it is. Who's going to be in the championship game on Monday night? You already picked Villanova, so uh, so you're, you're you're thinking it's going to be Villanova and uh, the Ramblers from Loyola. Oh yeah, absolutely. Um, Do you think? And I think that I think the Wolves are going to take out uh, Villanova. Like I said, they're they're pack animals and. They've already been shown to have the favor of God, um, you know, with uh, with sister on their side. It's it's Holy Week. It's Easter weekend. You know, there's there's no chance that those boys aren't going to win out there today. Uh, so, I think it's all it's so all kind of been foretold. We're talking with Joe from Plainfield. Joe, this week MLB opened up. Uh, you had the my favorite team, the Cardinals. You had the Cubs, uh, who got a good win against the Marlins. They got the first home run of the first pitch in uh, down in Florida. What are your thoughts about the Chicago Cubs? Do you have a favorite baseball team? Let me tell you this, Tom. There's a reason that I don't pay too much attention to baseball. You want to know what that reason is? Absolutely. It's Chicago Cubs fans. I cannot stand Chicago Cubs fans. You ever talk with someone who does CrossFit? People who do CrossFit are always talking about how they do CrossFit. They just won't let you know that they, you know, that everyone they meet has to know that they do CrossFit. One thing about Chicago Cubs fans is not only do they let you know that they're Chicago Cubs fans, but through conversation, they also let you know that they are insufferable. So I think that that's uh, really a reason that a lot of people stay away from baseball, in my opinion, Tom. Well, you might be right about that. I, I, I couldn't agree with you more. I mean, me being a Cardinal fan, I, I, don't, like, I don't like the Chicago Cubs at all. One other, a few other things I wanted to talk with you about, Joe. We, we got a new rule now in the NFL, the new targeting rule, very similar to the targeting rule in, car, in college. Have you had a chance to look at that? Any thoughts on that? Well, my understanding is if you are, you know, hitting with your head, you're going to be thrown out of the game. Is that correct? Yeah, if you lower your head and you and you do a tackle like head first, like a bullet into a body, you're going to be called for targeting and you can get ejected from the game. That is correct. Yeah, so, you know, on the one hand, I like a good hit as much as the next guy. On the other hand, you know, you don't really want people dying in a sport that you're watching for fun, right? So I definitely understand, you know, continuing to, to move away from uh, from practices that are going to be killing people out on the field. You know, this isn't ancient Rome. You know, as much as, as you know, what was, uh, uh, you know, speaking of ancient Rome, um, you know, Jesus being killed uh, uh, the other day, but, 
yesterday, I guess, if you will. Um, but like I said, this isn't ancient Rome. We're not doing that anymore. There's no reason to have gladiators out there fighting each other to the death. I mean, if that's something that we're going to bring back, let's go, you know, full steam ahead. Let's bring the shields and the swords and the chariots and the lions and all that stuff back out into the into the Colosseum. But it doesn't look like that's the way that we're moving. So, um, you know, if we're moving towards sports where we're not intentionally uh, killing people out there, then probably making rules to where we're not doing that makes the most sense. Now, like I said, if we're going to be moving towards that thing again, uh, I don't know. I might start doing push-ups. I might see if I can throw my hat into the arena and see if I can go out there. And uh, But, no, realistically, I would die. Um, I would die very quickly if I was in any kind <laughs> of uh, physical confrontation beyond, you know, your typical Saturday night good time bar fight you know, just amongst friends. So, did I don't you, know. Tom, did you hear our last question? That perfectly. Uh, we're talking with Joe from Plainfield. Joe, did you happen to hear our last segment with uh, Rick Riggin and his crew out in the woods in southern Indiana? Oh, no, I don't think I did hear that. Oh, okay. Well, they, they had a bachelor party last night, and it was kind of a carryover. And see, he went down to Nashville, and he did not carry uh, call in the show because – he decided to uh, stay up all night, drink all night, and uh, overslept. So his punishment was that he was going to call today. Well, you thought, you would think that, so I, I thought maybe you might be with him. That's why I was curious. They're out in the woods, sitting out on a log cabin in their underwear, drinking beer, smoking cigarettes at 8.30 in the morning. So I thought that might be something not right up your alley. Okay, well, Tom, thanks for bringing that to my attention because uh, Rick, <laughs> What are you doing going on this kind of excursion and not inviting me? <laughs> well, you mean you weren't um, even invited? Uh, frankly, I'm pissed right now. Um, well, this ruins <laughs> my day. Uh, I, I, I have no response to that, Tom. I, I'm very, very angry right now. Well, Rick, what can we, what can we do? To, you call in and you explain what, yourself, man. This is absurd. I am, Rick. We're not talking again until you fix this, man. What can what, well, how can Rick fix it? He, he he's actually in in come out in he's out of communication right now. So uh, I don't even know that he's able to to hear you say this. But we'll we'll, we'll relay the message. But how can how can we make this better for you, Joe? Well, I don't know, Tom. I'm crushed right now. Um, I I think to start off. I would like a formal apology uh, on the air. And second, next bachelor party, uh, I better be there, okay? Because, I, I mean, look, here, I, I'm a team player, you know, man. I'll, I'll bring my own, you know, I'll carry my own uh, hydration. And, uh, you know, I, I'll, I'm a good time, you know. I, I, I'm hurt, Tom. I don't know. Uh, Rick will figure it out. He's a smart guy. Well, I thought he was. Yeah, well, he abandoned we'll, me. Like, <laughs> well, we will get it all figured out for you, Joe. I promise. Now, what I, you know, here's the thing: what I what I find about you, the more I get to know you, the more I get to learn about you. And I learned this week you have a love for politics, and I hear that you're listening to both uh, conservative and liberal talk shows because you yourself would like to be a politician, and you yourself would like to change the world. What would be your platform? 
Well, Tom, I'm just one man. Um, to my platform would, I mean, it'd be a great platform. Arguably, it'd be the best platform. And I know that there's been some talk about, uh, you know, what the best platform is. But I can tell you it would be very, 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 very good. It'd be the best. Everyone would know my platform would be the best. Well, I, I have no doubt. I would be. I would love to hear what your platform is when when you have it all put together. It's Easter weekend. Do you have any Easter traditions that you do every year? I always go uh, Easter rabbit hunting. Easter rabbit hunting. So, okay. uh, now you showed me. You well, showed yeah, me you a know, video. everybody. You know, when you're a kid, you're going out there and and you're uh, looking for the Easter eggs. Um, but uh, you know, there's there's uh, something that happens as you grow up. You you mature in your in your habits and your traditions. And you know, we know that there's uh, Easter bunnies out there, right? Well, those Easter bunnies grow up. Yeah. And uh, they turn into Easter rabbits. Easter rabbits are good eating, Tom. Oh, good eating indeed. You know, you showed me a video this week of uh, you were out Easter rabbit hunting. You came across a Easter egg factory. And I never knew that when a rabbit humps a chicken, you get an Easter egg. Thanks for showing that to yeah, me. Yeah, that's uh, just science. Joe. Yep, it's a, <laughs> I guess a little known uh, science fact, but it is fact. Um, not sure if Darwin found that one out or not. Um, I, frankly, I'm not. I don't read a lot of science books, um, but that's that's one fact that I do know. Um, has been passed down through the ages. Um, I gotta hop off here in a second, no, no. Tom. Um, I, I no pun, no ask pun you, intended, right? Um, oh yeah, <laughs> I see what you did there, Tom. That's a good one. You like um, that? <laughs> now that said, uh, hey, tomorrow is Easter, right? Um, now mm-hmm. it's it's also April first, right? April. April Fool's Day. Um, it is. Now, do you think that this is like the oldest April Fool's prank where Jesus is saying, hey, gotcha, wasn't really dead, or I'm not really dead? Because he was dead, but then he wasn't dead. I mean, just food for I thought. I love it. But you might be, Pretty uh, good prank. Might be on to something there. Hey, have you been able to uh, get on your Twitter uh, very much here recently? I haven't seen you uh, tweet out anything recently. Did you lose your passwords again? Yeah, man, I'm locked out again. <laughs> so I've got to figure that out. We'll, we'll, we'll help you along with that. Uh, well, Joe from Playfield joins us on Easter weekend. Uh, Joe, I hope you have a great time hunting Easter rabbits and, and uh, have, have a great week, sir. All right. Go rambling wolves down with the Cubs. I'll talk to you later, Tom. Have a good one. And Rick, fix this, man. See ya. <laughs> All right. See you, buddy. Joe from Plainfield gives us a call. Certainly one of our favorite uh, fans out there who is uh, really our ideal demographic that we got out there. We're not lying to ourselves at all. Joe uh, is uh, one of our favorite uh, fans that gives us a call. And certainly uh, he has some really in-depth uh, uh, thinking. My name is Saul Mark with El Presidente. We'll be back with the final half hour of the Balance and Balance Radio Network.
Bobby, you're here again. Yeah, my doctor told me to reduce stress at work, so I come to Buffalo Wild Wings to eat lunch and watch sports. I get to pick one of seven entrees, like sandwiches and salads, plus one of seven sides. Well, I like sides. It's so affordable, I can finally take a vacation. Where are you going to go? Here, Tim, here. Introducing the new B-Dub Fast Break Lunch Menu, starting at a new low price. Dine-in or order takeout weekdays between 11 and 2. Participation and availability may vary. Buffalo Wild Wings. Wings, beer, sports. It's double trouble, double the fun. At African Safari Wildlife Park in Port Clinton, Ohio. See the largest antelope on Earth, the giant eland, and the ugliest creature on Earth, the African warthog. There's so much to see and do, including the Midwest's only drive through safari. Feed the animals. See live educational shows. Feel the excitement. Have your picture taken with a python or cockatoo. Feel the adventure. Shop the Symbol Lodge gift shop with items available from around the globe. Visit the snack bar or picnic facilities. Enjoy a pony or camel ride. Or cheer your favorite porker on to victory in the famous Pork Chop Down. Bring your family to see the rare and exotic animals at African Safari Wildlife Park in Portland, Ohio. Just take Route 2 to the Route 53 North exit and follow the sign. Only 17 miles west of Cedar Point via Route 6. Open every day, rain or shine. When you don't go to Geico.com, car insurance can be confusing. Like Swedish techno confusing. Bark, bark, meow, meow. Dance with me, purple cow. Bark, bark, meow, meow. Ooh, you lovely cow. Geico makes it easy. With 24-7 access, all you have to do is go to Geico.com and you can save money on car insurance. It just makes sense. Unlike, you know. Dance with me, purple cow. I like your mood. When you don't go to Geico.com, car insurance can be hard. Like early 90s heavy metal hard. I'm yelling and screaming and I'm loud. Roar. Geico makes it easy. You can review and update your policy or report a claim on Geico.com or the Geico mobile app. Because shouldn't we all have a little less stress in our lives? I'm not even upset about Welcome back to the Balance Final Half Hour Underway. Great show today, 917-889-8516. Thanks to Matt Embry of uh, At Open Wheel joined us to to talk (coughs) IndyCar and a little March Madness and certainly IndyCar back on the track next week out in Phoenix. Also, uh, thanks to Rick Riggin and Troy Beard and the whole gang out there in southern Indiana uh, out at a bachelor party, carryover bachelor party, in the woods, uh, at a cabin, smoking cigarettes, drinking beer at uh, 8.30, 9 o'clock in the morning, and uh, calling in our radio show, talking a little March Madness NFL, new uh, uh, targeting rule, and a little bit of the MLB. And, of course, our favorite Joe from Plainfield gave us a call and, and you know, talked with us uh, uh, about a wide array of things, the uh, – the uh, his ramblers or the wolves, if you will, going to take it all. Uh, 
He's going to go Easter rabbit hunting. Uh, we talked about where Easter eggs came from. Uh, we uh, talked about, uh, you know, the, the Final Four and the MLB, and we found out that he does not like baseball because of Chicago Cubs fan. We're staying to buy for Mo from the BS Sports Show. Uh, going to join us, going to be talking a little bit more about the MLB and more depth about some of the games going on today. I uh, certainly have a uh, better analyst, uh, analysis of that. And, of course, uh, more talk about the Final Four. Duh, it's the Final Four. Again, if you don't know this, your bracket's probably busted anyway. So if, if, you're, if you're rooting for Michigan, I, I don't know, even if you're a Michigan fan. You know, I mentioned that I was talking to a Michigan fan yesterday. And they didn't even have Michigan going to the Final Four. So maybe on that side of the bracket with uh, Loyola and Michigan, I don't know that very many people had that there. Now, I did have Michigan there, I have to admit. <clears throat> Excuse me. I, see, this time of the day is when my voice starts saying, hey, see, I'm checking out. So sometimes I just got to get a sip of water there. There we go. We'll survive it. And uh, so uh, – We'll talk a little bit more about that with, with Mo. Are you following us on social media? This is the one place where fans can come together and talk about their favorite sports. We do this thing called The Balance every Saturday morning. Uh, this is the one place where fanatics can come together and talk about their favorite teams. Fanatics being you. Fanatics being me. The Balance brings you an analytical, well, <laughs> we like to use that word, don't we? Uh, breakdown of sports from a fan's point of view. Uh, we bring you breaking news, commentary, stats, standings, audio, highlights, great interviews, as you've seen today. And uh, uh, so you never want to miss the balance. 917-889-8516 is our digits. Follow us on social media at T-Balance, at ProIndy1. Now, that's where we just kind of house everything to do with Indianapolis sports, whether it's the Pacers, the Indians, the Colts, uh, the Fever, the Eleven what have you. We kind of house that over there on at Pro Indy. Also, at IndianMay.com uh, is uh, our official IndyCar uh, Twitter account, if you will. At Two Hot Corner, uh, going to be very active coming up here soon as we're back into the MLB season. At Two Hot Corner is our official Twitter channel for uh, everything MLB and MILB as well. So if you like baseball, and if baseball is your 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 uh, uh, thing, then you'll you'll like that. But really, it all comes together at at T Balance. Go to Facebook, search the balance, and <clears throat> search the balance and uh, hit like. It's that easy. And then what you do is you hit share to all of your friends on social media and say, "Hey, it's a great show. Check it out." Also, now we're everywhere. Come on. We're the balance. It's Saturday morning. We are everywhere. Also, go to iTunes, download the, the podcast, hit subscribe, and every time we load a new podcast, one will be up here in just a few moments at the end of this show, uh, you'll be, get an alert. You'll get a push notification that says the balance has a new episode online. Maybe you missed the live broadcast. Maybe you had to work. Maybe you were sleeping. The great thing about our podcast is it is our show. Also, if you don't have iTunes, maybe you've got uh, a Droid phone or something like that. Just go to your your app store where you get your apps. Download TuneIn. It's a free it's a free download, and search the balance and then hit favorite. Also, you can go to our facilitators website www. 
the uh, blogtalkradio.com. Search the ballots. Again, hit favorite. Either which way, you're never going to miss an episode of the ballots. We are standing by for a mo. Hopefully, we, we can get him on here in just a, a, a few moments anyway. That's for sure. So, I have got to take a losing my voice break. We'll be right back right here on the Balanced Radio Network. All right. Thank you for indulging me there, man. I was losing my voice. So let's talk a little bit. Uh, we're, we're standing by for Mo. Hopefully he'll he'll join us. Let's talk a little bit about uh, opening uh, week here with the MLB. As uh, we mentioned, we are now uh, full swinging ahead with the uh, uh, MLB underway. The Cardinals and the Mets today, one ten. Go Cardinals! They didn't have a good showing in the last uh, game against the Mets. Uh, get the Pirates and the Tigers today. Nationals and the Reds. Angels and the Athletes. The Astros and the Rangers, the Yankees, and the Blue Jays, all all doing battle uh, today, and so we'll see how that goes. Also, remember we've got the Final Four. Loyola, Michigan, is the first uh, is the first game. I believe is at six o'clock. Then we've got Kansas and Villanova, and that's the eight o'clock game. So, really, you can. Catch up on your final four. Whoo! I think I'm going to make it through the next 15 minutes. That's for sure. <laughs> oh goodness! So how how did your your brackets? Did they? You know, I don't think anybody could have predicted um, the brackets that how they how they fell apart. This is one one of the best final fours. Ever. Well, not Final Fours. I'm sorry. The best brackets ever. <laughs> I'm totally losing my mind today. That's okay. That's okay. So the Ramblers, 2018 Cinderella. If they manage to beat Michigan today, it will be one of the biggest upsets in history. One of the biggest college upsets in history, if Loyola can pull off the win. You know what we like to make jokes about <clears throat> Loyola and Sister Jean and and uh, the Wolf Pack and all of that, but the thing about it is they really do have the ability and the talent to reach the final dance, to reach the final game, to reach the triumph. And I say, even if you don't, even if you don't. You're America's team this year. You're the, the team that America's been rooting for all the way up here. And I know a lot of people want to see the powerhouses go at it. But I tell you, there's a part of me that says, hey, Loyola, I'm behind you all the way. I, I think most Americans, if you didn't fill out a bracket or maybe you don't follow college basketball or maybe you're, you're not even a sports fanatic, you have been able to identify with uh, Loyola. You have been able to identify with them as a team that you could root for, as a team that you could get behind. You know, I'm rooting for you, Loyola. I hope that, that, that you do pull off a win against Michigan. Now, granted, 
I, like I, I said, I do have Michigan still alive in one of my brackets. But I'm okay with that because the rest of the bracket is shot to hell anyway. So, honestly, I'm okay if they win or if they lose. Uh, and then, you know, Loyola, I think I think what, is, what makes this so exciting, yeah, the Sister Jean story, that's great. That's a, that's a great latch on. That's a great storyline. But I, I think that we have not seen a true Cinderella team than what we've seen with Loyola. Not in a long time. I know we've seen the Butlers, and I know we've seen what felt like Cinderella's, but really, you know, if the Retrievers, though, had made it all the way after beating Virginia to the Final Four and Loyola, that would have been that would have been an amazing Cinderella story. I think that's one of the reasons that we watch March Madness. That's one of the reasons that we fill out the brackets. That's one of the reasons that, you know, you have office pools, and they say statistically that that um, – the opening day of March Madness, that Thursday, is one of the most unproductive days. They should just make it a holiday and just give everybody uh, the day off. Uh, you see it in offices, maybe in your workplace. You saw it uh, where uh, people were really consumed with the opening of March Madness. And I think it's because people do like to see these these underdogs, like to see these brackets explode. And, you know, in recent years, I know we've we've had some – some teams that advance that maybe we didn't expect to advance. Uh, maybe we've had some teams that uh, were better than what we thought, but were still good. I don't know that we've seen any type of true, bona fide, legit Cinderella teams. I don't know that we've seen that at all in recent memory. And maybe if I'm wrong, let me know. 917-889-8516. If you want to call, we've still got a few more minutes to talk about the Final Four, talk about your brackets, talk about MLB, talk about the, the new NFL rule, whatever's on your mind. It doesn't necessarily even have to be about sports, although we would prefer that. Um, but, you know, maybe I'm wrong here, but it just seems like, it feels like, We've not seen a real, legit Cinderella team than what we we've seen here here recently. Uh, so, and we weren't able to connect with Grant today. I don't know what happened there. Uh, somehow, it looks like we've been stood up by Mo. Don't know what happened there, but appreciate <laughs> Matthew Embry, our official IndyCar contributor, giving us a call, talking with us a little bit about IndyCar being back on the track out in Phoenix next week. Uh, and certainly talking about the unveiling of the new Danica Patrick GoDaddy car. Uh, and um, it's going to be uh, Danica Patrick's last race. Uh, certainly I think that Indianapolis Motor Speedway hopes that they can uh, capitalize on that, uh, uh, make money on it, put butts in seats on that. But I think what we see here is – Say what you want about Danica Patrick, and believe me, she's been the butt of a lot of jokes here on this show. So uh, we, we aren't angels when it comes to, to that. We certainly have not been probably the best supporter of Danica Patrick over the years. But one of the things I'll say about Danica Patrick, she's did a lot for the sport. She brought a lot of eyes on the sport. She uh, did a lot for IndyCar. Now, she, uh, granted, she ultimately went over to, to NASCAR, uh, where the Daytona 500 was her last NASCAR race. And then the Indianapolis 500 will be the, her last IndyCar race. So it's the Danica double, if you will, not the true double. Uh, but she she did a lot for the sport. 
and I want to give her credit for that. And, you know, so hopefully that she can we can sell some tickets, get spots in the seats, because this is going to be the last time you get to see Danica Patrick in an actual race car, we think. You know these drivers. <laughs> they, can only, they can only stay gone so long. So maybe we'll see her back again. I, I don't see any signs of that at the moment. I don't know that would ever happen, but it certainly is the possibility uh, as well. Typically, also, Steve from uh, Speedway Digest uh, joins us, and um, but I know that he had some other obligation that being Easter weekend and, and, and so forth. Uh, you know, uh, Martinsville finally got their race in. <laughs> finally got their race in after, uh, well, a snow delay. And I, I have to say, I honestly think this is the first time I have ever seen a snow delay in NASCAR, ever. I, and I, I could be wrong on that, and there's probably, and I might very well be wrong about that. But I just, uh, I thought it was, so anyway, they, the race was on Monday because of the snow over the weekend. And so uh, certainly Clint Boyer uh, got got the win there. Uh, so Steve Wilson typically joins us, so he'll be back with us uh, next week uh, as, as NASCAR gets ready for uh, uh, Texas. And so... Uh, we didn't uh, on purpose uh, neglect NASCAR today. We just kind of uh, tabled it, if you will, because uh, Steve Wilson wasn't able to join us. Make sure you follow him at uh, Speedway Digest and um, and uh, as well. My name is Tom Mark Wiesel, President. Today we've got just a few uh, minutes left uh, here on the show, and uh, I had I, I lost my absolutely lost my article here that I wanted to, to point to about uh, Martinsville in the snow. But anyway, so we'll get to that. We'll talk about that with, with Steve Wilson of uh, Speedway Digest. <clears throat> Certainly, uh, they don't race this weekend anyway uh, because uh, it, they never race on. There's two weeks that NASCAR doesn't race on, and I think that's Mother's Day and Easter. But anyway, I know they never race on Easter uh, weekend. So Easter weekend, maybe you've got some big Easter plans. Um, I'm not sure exactly what I'm, what I'm going to be doing. Obviously going to church. I'm supposed to have lunch uh, with one of my best friends. Uh, and there's a great, great place here uh, down in Mooresville, uh, Mooresville called Gray's. Got the best ham, got the best mashed taters and pies. So I'm not sure if that's going to happen or not, but we might get together and, and uh, do that. Uh, but I'm going to be a, be a veg if you will, be a veg. And, you know, we talked a little bit about the Masters. Tiger Woods, could we, could we see the return of Tiger Woods? I mean, you talk about, I think Tiger Woods did, talk about somebody that was an ambassador for the sport, that did a lot for the sport, that brought a lot to the table to the sport. I think a lot of people are golf fans today, especially younger people, are golf fans today because of Tiger Woods. And, and we, we know Tiger's uh, 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 fall from uh, fame, if you will, and we know what happened there. You know, maybe we were a little hard on Tiger. I don't know. But at the same time, you know, with his injuries and his back injuries, he's not been able to be uh, the Tiger Woods of old, if you will. He's not been able to be uh, winning uh, – uh, 
winning and, and you know, winning the, the uh, Opens and the Masters. So he'll be back at Augusta, Georgia um, in the Masters this year. And do, do we think – do we think that the Masters uh, will have a winner and that, that of course, it will have a winner? Do we think that it will be Tiger Woods? I think that he has a shot. I don't know that he's going to actually win the Masters, but it's going to be fun to watch him. It's going to be fun to see how he does. Certainly in, in, the, uh, in the first couple, three rounds will, will tell us how he, he's probably going to end up on Sunday. So, uh, you know, certainly excited to watch that for Tiger Woods. Uh, you know, we don't talk a lot of golf on the show, um, and that, that's not by design. I think a lot of people like golf. I think it's just that, you know, we, we try to just kind of roll with the, uh, with the main seasons, if you will, baseball, basketball, uh, football, you know, what have you. But we certainly do talk about golf, and, you know, uh, we'll probably, as, as the Masters moves on, we'll, we'll have a, a bigger and better discussion about, about golf. So tonight... Remember, this afternoon, Villanova, Michigan. Then you've got Kansas, and you've got uh, – no, I'm sorry. I'm sorry I said that wrong. You've got Villanova and Kansas, and you've got Loyola and Michigan. I've been saying it so much today, I can't even get it, get it right. That'll be – that's your final four. Tonight, we're going to know who's going to be in the championship game on Monday. Is it going to be, as um, Joe from Plainfield Put, pointed out, it's going to be the Ramblers of, of uh, Loyola against the Wildcats of Villanova, or is it going to be Michigan against the Wildcats of Villanova? Or it could possibly could uh, Kansas Jayhawks uh, pull off a win in a stunning upset, Loyola against the the, the uh, Jayhawks or Michigan against the Jayhawks? Either which way, it's been an exciting March Madness. One of the best ever, um, and you know what? We may not see another March Madness like this in a while because uh, we don't know what's happening with this FBI probe. We don't know what's going to happen with uh, – we don't know what's going to happen as far as repercussions of that. You know, at the moment, we think everything's going to stay the same, uh, but, you know, it might be a few years down the road before we see the actual ramifications of what happened with the uh, – FBI and everything that happened there, and certainly we'll be following it and watching it here on the balance. We're at the two-minute warning. <laughs> Remember to follow us at T at at T Balance at Two Hot Corner, especially now that baseball's underway at Pro Indy. That's all of our uh, Indianapolis Pro Sports. We tweet about that. We put things on there. Also, make sure that you follow Rick Riggins' uh, website and go check it out: Twelve Versus Five dot com. Uh, great opportunity for you to interact with us and with him as far as, you know, posts and blogs and, you know, tweets and all of that stuff. Uh, and, you know, uh, a lot of things maybe you want to talk about that's not directly related to sports. He'll let, he'll let you do that. Thanks to Matthew Embry of at uh, openwheel.com for joining us and talking IndyCar with us. Uh, thanks to Rick Riggin and Terry Beard uh, giving us a call. Joining us now, better late than never, is Mr. Mo from the BS Sports Show. How are you, Mo? Good, man. Sorry. You know, i got lazy-ass people I work with who don't show up for work on time. Oh, no, no, so, no, no problem. Uh, do, do you got some time to talk with us? Yeah, of course, man. i got a few minutes. Let's, let's do it. Uh, 
Let's do it. So, uh, by the way, we are losing our stream. We're going right into our, our balance extra. Uh, if you're listening to the podcast, you won't notice uh, any difference. But if you're listening to us live, well, just wait till the podcast gets up and you'll get to hear this awesome conversation we're about to have with Mo from the BS Sports Show. Mo, it's just you and I. Rick, you missed Rick uh, calling us from um, – Deep in the woods from a cabin in southern Indiana with a bachelor party that started last night that's still going on. And and apparently uh, they are uh, on the patio in their underwear smoking cigarettes and drinking beer. So he still had to call in because his punishment – remember when he went down to Nashville and he was going to call us? He gave us all this hype. Oh, I'm going to call you from Nashville round one and two. And then he went out and uh, indulged no a little too much and no show. Yeah. So this was his punishment. He had to he had to show today. So he he's 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 paid his his debt to uh, society. Final four. We've been talking about it all morning. Loyola and Michigan, uh, Kansas and Villanova. I think the logic people say is Michigan and Villanova, but at the same time, you got to give credence to uh, 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 Loyola and the Ramblers and Sister Jean and the story there. Go ahead, Mo. Well, you know, I think the problem with Loyola is, uh, you know, A, you've got a bunch of guys who played together for a long time, and, and uh, you know, I think a couple of people said this week, uh, you know, is the reason that the uh, the, the mid-majors have caused so much havoc in these tournaments in the last 10 to 15 years is because, you know, the big schools have the one-and-done guys, but you've got these mid-majors, the guys who play together three or four years, so you've got that cohesive unit. And the other thing is is that when you've got basically five guards on the floor playing uh, and small ball is, is the, the seems like the, the way basketball is now, the teams that have big guys can't really compete with it. And, uh, you know, Loyola really seems to match up uh, against everybody. They're very well coached. Uh, they've got, uh, you know, guys that got heart. And for them, you look at it now, man, they're playing on house money. Nobody expected them to be here. Uh, it's uh, it's uh, about enjoying it now and having fun and see if they go out to, and knock off Michigan. Mo, uh, here's the thing. I, it, I think everybody's bracket is pretty much blown at this point. I think everybody that Loyola has become America's team. Now, money-wise, when, when, when your pocket starts talking to put money down, maybe you're not going to be so brave. Uh, but I don't know what the spreads are. Maybe you're co- uh, covering that better than I am. But when we look at what Vegas is talking about Loyola, what are they saying? Well, I mean, this was a, Loyola was a great bet up until this weekend. Uh, point spreads a lot closer now. It's within four points. So uh, you've got to be confident. In Loyola, you know, and and this is one of those ones where if you're not sure but you still want to make a bet on the game, uh, you know, I'll make a small bet on this one, you know, nothing that will break the bank and try to make a little bit. But, you know, over the last couple of weeks of your bet in Loyola, you were getting great odds. This week, uh, not so much. So uh, a small bet on Loyola might be the way to go. The only thing you got to be concerned about uh, if you're looking to place money on Loyola is that Michigan comes out and has one of those three-point shooting games like they did a couple of weeks ago, uh, you know, where they just blew a couple of teams out of the water with that three-point shooting. So that's what uh, that's what your concern is. But Loyola, the one thing they do is play very good perimeter defense. So if you're going to make a bet uh, today and you want to bet on Loyola, I would make it a small bet, uh, you know, just something that's reasonable uh, because it's, uh, it's uh, big boy basketball today. Big boy basketball today, and I think – a lot of people like to see the powerhouses. I wouldn't say that Michigan is necessarily a powerhouse, but certainly like to see the bigger schools and the bigger teams in the final game. Uh, so we we go over to the other side of the fence there, and we look at uh, uh, I'm sorry, we look at Kansas and Villanova. 
certainly Villanova is on the way all the way there. And I think a lot of people think that they'll, they'll cut down the net. Kansas had a mediocre season and kind of had a weak bracket and got some wins. But then once they got some wins, it seemed like they got their legs. It seemed like they got were playing better because, like you said, it is uh, big boy basketball. Break down Loyola and Kansas for us. Well, I think with Villanova, you know, they've been, even though the the it's been a lot of parity this year in Villanova, was bounced out of that number one spot a couple of times uh, and gave it towards the new year to Virginia. You know, Villanova, I think, was what most people consider is the best team in the country. Uh, you know, you're right, Kansas had a mediocre year, but I think what helps Kansas is being able last week to knock off Duke, to come back, uh, you know, towards the end of regulation, get it to overtime, and then, you know, pull ahead in overtime. And I think that's one of the things that will give this Kansas team some confidence. You know, Villanova hasn't really been tested uh, in the tournament uh, too much at all. So I, I think that win last week over Duke, uh, on Sunday night uh, uh, in, uh, and in overtime, uh, I think was good for Kansas. So, uh, you know, Kansas has got some guys who can put the ball in the net. Kansas has got some guys uh, who can drive and score. So I, I think ultimately probably Villanova does get down the nets, but I think Kansas gained uh, confidence in that close win over Duke in overtime last week. Well, absolutely. We're talking with Mo from the BS Sports Show on the Balance Extra. This is our overtime, and only uh, podcast subscribers get to hear this great content. So uh, when you download uh, from iTunes, we appreciate everyone that's been doing that. That helps us when you hit subscribe. You're going to get yourself a little push notification that uh, the Balance has a new podcast also on TuneIn, and uh, uh, certainly on Blog Talk Radio, we archive everything there as well. So talk about uh, Mo, let's talk about the March Madness overall. You know, I was talking earlier. I said, I don't know. Maybe, maybe it just feels like this is the first time in a long time that we've seen a real Cinderella team. Uh, team. This is the first time in a re- long time that we've seen a real March Madness in what I would consider brackets just exploding everywhere. And I think that's one of the, the attractions to March Madness. Would you say this is one of the best March Madnesses of all time? It is, but I think if you took a poll, I think – People would say yes, but, you know, it seems like people love the madness uh, the first weekend, but it seems like once you get past that first weekend, a lot of people want to see, you know, the teams they know and the teams they recognize. So some people I've talked to have not liked the way this shook out, especially last weekend with all the higher seeds making it, but I've loved it. I think it's fun. I I think it's great, uh, you know, for these smaller schools to do that. You know, we saw Butler turn itself into a national powerhouse, by being a mid-major who, uh, you know, went to the championship game two years in a row. And I think with these guys, you know, it helps these these, uh, these smaller schools recruit. Now, I don't know, you know, this year the ratings will be off regardless. It's going to be the lowest rated Final Four and championship game ever just because it's on TBS, not on CBS. But, uh, you know, there's a lot of drama uh, with this because of Viola, and I, I think it's going to be a, a, a fun tournament. And it, it was awesome. I think this whole tournament's been a lot of fun to watch. And then, including last night, sadly, you know, I'm up till midnight watching a women's Final Four game with UConn and Notre Dame. So it, it's been fun all the way around. Well, absolutely. And, you know, I don't follow a lot of the women's basketball, but, uh, I mean, usually because U, uh, UConn uh, wins it all, that's for sure. So when we get to the game on Monday night, we I think logic says it's going to be Villanova and uh, Michigan. Using that logic, using that concept, using that game breakdown, uh, what are your thoughts on that matchup? Well, you know, I uh, I actually I think it's going to be uh, Villanova and Loyola. I think Loyola wins the day. I really do. Here's my hope. Uh, wow! That, that no matter. Prediction yeah, here. I know. I know. I but I just here's what I hope for is that even if, if Michigan does make it. Well, I, I hope it's a close game because Villanova is so 
uh, darn good that I hope whoever makes it, we have a close game. If, if Loyola uh, does make it, I don't want to see him get blown out, and that's you know how we how we remember Loyola. Uh, you know, same with Michigan. Michigan, you know, got screwed uh, a couple of years ago with the uh, Louisville losing their getting their championship pulled away, and what was a great game with uh, with uh, Michigan and Louisville. So John Beeline, you know, you could say uh, here's another bold prediction that John Beeline is the best coach at the University of Michigan over Jim Harbaugh. This guy's performed, you know, everywhere. Uh, every year with this Michigan basketball team. Uh, this was a, a year that they thought that uh, this Michigan team would be okay, but not what they are. And, and John Beeline has done a great job. If it comes down to, to Michigan and Villanova, I think we get a great basketball game. You've got a team in Michigan that can shoot the daylights out uh, from anywhere. Uh, the only thing that concerns me a little bit with Michigan is their defense. Uh, Villanova is so well coached. Uh, I mean, they've got uh, a couple of NBA players on their basketball team. Uh, this is a team that plays good defense that can run the floor. It, it's a team that uh, that can definitely score. So should it come down to Michigan and Villanova Monday night, I think you see a, a four-point game and maybe closer. I, I think it'll be a fun game. If Loyola makes it again, like I said, I, I just I hope that it's close and we have a fun game and, and we don't remember Loyola like we did George Mason who got blown out when they made it to the Final Four. I hope it's a, a close game and we remember Loyola for the good uh, and not, uh, not a, a bad to beat. Oh, absolutely, and I—that I, would be fun to watch. I have to admit, that would be absolutely fun to watch from the fan uh, per, perspective at all. Let's talk a little bit about uh, the off-season of college basketball, if you will. Uh, what's going to happen uh, with Sean Miller, and what's going to happen at UK? What's going to happen at Arizona? What's going to happen at some of these uh, at Michigan, at Michigan State, for example? Tom Izzo, we saw—we're uh, seeing all kinds of chaos at Michigan State. A lot of fallout from this FBI stuff. Coaches getting fired. We may be seeing some indictments we may be seeing some people get arrested we may see some uh, more arrests i should say more indictments uh, uh come down uh from from the fbi what are some of the things that, that we're going to see happen uh as a reality uh of the, the the fallout from this ncaa scandal well, I think the Michigan State uh, case is, is different from the others, obviously, because you have the Larry Nasser thing, and and you know you could see the uh, the president of the university and possibly the athletic director and some of those people going to jail like they did at, at Penn State, um, and you know there's there was another allegation against a Michigan State player, you know right before the tournament started there was an allegation of of one taking money which hadn't been proven yet, um, you know. At some point, Tom Izzo's an institution there, and, and what he knew or didn't know, but at some point, Michigan State's hand could be forced. And, you know, if it is, I would maybe look at uh, Porter Wagner, the coach of Viola, who could be up for a job like that. Uh, you know, a guy who's had a great run, a good coach, he's going to be the hot name. Uh, you know, if Michigan State has to make a move or is forced to make a move, or if Tom Izzo decides to retire to, uh, you know, as opposed to being fired uh, at some point, he could be a hot name. Uh, with the other ones, it, it's so hard to say because these FBI guys, the guy, the assistant coaches they've arrested, are these guys going to uh, to roll on their head coaches if they were involved? Uh, as far as those universities uh, having things happen, I think it's all going to depend on the FBI investigation. We've talked about numerous times the NCAA is such an, an inept organization. You basically have to uh, lay wrongdoing on their doorstep for them to do anything. And and will they overstep and, and you know with their punishment? Uh, it's hard to say what if anything happens. Uh, and at this point, I really don't think people are shocked anymore when there's accusations of, of kids being paid. I don't think that that's a big thing. The one thing I would watch out for is we saw happen uh, yesterday or two days ago 
is the five-star recruit that Syracuse had uh, decommitted and is going to play in the G League. You know, do we see more of these big-time recruits say, you know, I, I don't want to do the one and done. I can make money, hire an agent, and try to get some uh, some money by going to the G League. So, uh, you know, that, that five-star recruit decommitting from Syracuse, I think, was a big deal, and that could be a trend to watch. Uh, with some of these kids who can sign with an agent and get some personal loans from agents and get some shoe money and not have to worry about it. So that could be the biggest off-season uh, development in college basketball is, is these big-time recruits saying, nah, I'm not coming, I'm going to the G League for a year. Well, do you think that applies to Romeo Langford? I think that thought's there. I really do because, you know, why wouldn't a – it happened before, before the rules enacted where you had to go to college for a year or wait till you were 19 and a year out of high school to be drafted. We've had uh, – we had uh, – shoe companies in the past pay guys to skip college and go right to the NBA. Why wouldn't they pay guys to not go to college, go to the G league. And that way they already own them. I mean, it's sad to say that they like that because I don't want to sound like they're slaves, but that way the shoe company would already own them. They could sign them early. They could sign them at 17 or at 18 and have them play a year in the G league, you know? And uh, I think that that is definitely a possibility. I think that's why Romeo Langford has held out. Uh, and now that this happened yesterday, I think it's definitely an option for him. And I think it's definitely being talked about because, shoe, you know, shoe companies up and down are, are talking to this kid. The other thing that was smart by him, though, Tom, is that he's the last big name recruit. So now he's the only one being talked about. You know, the, the kid that committed to Duke, we all talked about him. He's the best player in the class. But now Romeo Langford mm-hmm. held out. He's the last five-star recruit. How smart is that? Everybody's talking about him. So I think it's very, very likely that uh, Nike or Adidas could offer him some big cash, and he says, sorry, I'm going to the G League for a year. Now that we saw a five-star recruit do it, I wouldn't put it past him. Yeah, and you know, yeah, absolutely. And here's the thing, and what I've heard uh, ramblings about is that he is uh, going to uh, uh, keep his decision quiet until at, around the end of April. That will allow him to be uh, named the Indiana Mr. Basketball I mean, logic says he comes to IU. Let IU use and abuse him for a year. I, I, I'm not a fan of him going to the G League, but I'm with you. That, that, that could very well be a possibility. But do you think that if he decides to go the college route that IU is where he ends up at, or do you think it's Kansas, or do you think maybe it's uh, 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 the, uh, the school down in Tennessee? I got a brain fart. But who do you Vanderbilt. think he'll, he'll end up at? Vanderbilt. Well, I, don't yeah, think it's, I, don't, I don't think it's Vanderbilt unless his – Somebody, his parents are pushing there, or they've been paid off because you're not going to get any kind of national exposure there. You know, I mean, that's, let's be honest, that's what this is all about, is to get exposure for the yep. NBA draft. Vanderbilt's not going to be the place to do it. Uh, so IU or Kansas makes the most sense at IU. Obviously, he's going to be the focal point of the, uh, of the offense after what happened this year. And then you become an in-state savior uh, as well. But what's interesting, you know, he talked about when he was going to announce. When they're going to announce is after that uh, Nike Summit basketball. Ironically, he, they're going to be out there in, in Portland, out there uh, in Washington by Nike, and that's when he's going to announce after that. You, you think Nike's not going to try to have their hands on him while he's out there? So it makes it very interesting, the timing of when he's going to announce. But it would seem like if he's going to pick at this point, uh, I would say it's IU unless uh, Kansas wins the national title and you, you see a mass excess of players from there then it could wind up being Kansas because of the exposure. But at IU, he will be a focal point and have a lot of chance to play on a big-time television. You know, we saw the dismissal of Rick Pitino this past year. Uh, we might see the dismissal of Sean Miller. We might see the, the dismissal of other coaches. Uh, we might see the dismissal of Tom Izzo. Uh, big-name coaches, uh being gone, uh, which is going to uh, create opens, opens, 
We know that Louisville has hired Chris Mack from Xavier. My thing is, if I was Chris Mack, I would be running as far away from that as possible. And if I was a big-name coach, and if I was a coach that would be offered a position at one of these schools, I would be thinking very, very, very hard and long about taking a position and walking right into a hornet's nest. Yeah, but, uh, you know, at this point, uh, you know, you look for – it's probably going to be a lot of these guys who are at smaller schools who can set their families up for life by going in from making, you know, five hundred, six hundred thousand dollars $600,000 a year to making two to $3 million a year. So, uh, you know, it, when you have a chance like that to set your family up for life, sometimes you're willing to, to take that step and, and do that. And, you know, I would look at, uh, like I said, the coach from Loyola Chicago, unless they offer to pay him, you know, because he is a Chicago guy. Does he stay where he's at uh, and, and enjoy that, or does he move on and join the name? And it just takes one coach getting fired, then we have that, that domino effect. Uh, you know, I think the coach from UMBC who knocked off Virginia is going to be talked to. Um, so, you know, there are some big-time programs. And being the, the head coach at, at Louisville does, you know, does bring along, uh, you know, that kind of, uh, that kind of um, cachet, that, you know, to be a big-time coach. Chris Mack, a lot of us in the, in the Midwest know how great he is and how good he's done. But nationally, a lot of people don't know that name. So, you know, when you, and plus when you go to Louisville now, you know, there's a lot of extra money and perks that come with that money from shoe companies, money, you know, your money for your TV show, your coaches show on the radio is a lot than it is when you're at Xavier, uh, you know, a lot more primetime games. So, you know, I understand a guy like Chris Mack wanting to do that. Plus again, like I said, you know, when you have the chance to set up your family for life, you know, if it, it's a, a crap job, you know, if you were offered a million dollars to take a new job tomorrow that you absolutely hated, it'd be hard to say no to that. And I think that's what happens sometimes for these coaches is, you know, you're really looking to take that next step, even though where you're at was great. You were happy. Uh, you were the, you were the, uh, the big uh, man on campus as far as the coaches go, but you want to, you want to take that next step and challenge yourself. And a lot of times the reason a, a, a job is coming open is because there was some bad stuff going on or it was terrible and you got to come in and fix it. So, uh, you know, Chris Mack, I think a lot of people were who people were hoping that was going to be the hire for IU a year ago. Uh, and unfortunately, it wasn't. It wound up being Archie Miller. But uh, Chris Mack's a great coach. I think he does a great job. And he's one guy that's always talked about about doing things the right way. And if anybody needs that right now, uh, the Louisville Cardinals do. Well, absolutely. And I just feel like maybe there's just going to be a lot of tension going on. Maybe, maybe it won't be as bad as we think. This week we saw the opening of the MLB. I know your Cubbies got – uh, the first home run of the first pitch in a uh, down in Florida Marlins. Nobody saw the flyover because they did because <laughs> they had the roof closed. Uh, but we'll start with you because uh, you like the Cubs. I don't like the Cubs. I like the Cardinals. My Cardinals lost. Your Cubs won. So we'll start with with the conversation about the Cubs. Obviously, I think a lot of people think uh, that the Cubs have what it takes to at least win the National League Central this year. Yeah, I mean, the one concern for me, you know, the pickup of you, Darvish, I think was good. But the one thing that concerns me that the Cubs don't have this year is, is Jake Arrieta. He's a guy that, uh, whether it was in the regular season or in the playoffs, you know, when when they struggled, started that struggle against the Dodgers and against the Nationals, he's that one guy that you always could count on that you were going to get a win when Jake Arrieta went out there and pitched. And that's, you know, there's nobody on the staff that I'm confident in that, okay, you know, uh, that uh, Darvish is on the mound or Hendricks or, or Lester that I'm confident that they can go out and win that, that baseball game when you need to. And Arietta was that guy, man. You knew when Arietta was pitching that day that there's more than likely the Cubs are going to get a win. And so I think that that loss hurts them a lot. Um, you know, the Cubs struggled uh, last year because Dexter Fowler, who moved on to your Cardinals, the Cubs didn't have a, a leadoff guy. They may have found it. And a guy like Ian Happ. 
so hopefully that's the case. The, guys, the Cubs have uh, a lot of good young outfielders, but only three outfield spots to uh, to play those guys in. So I think that's going to be an issue. And, but I think the Cubs do have pieces to trade uh, for some pitching if they need to. The Cubs bullpen was terrible last year. They picked up Brandon Morrow uh, from the Dodgers, which will help. But I think you will see the Cubs make some moves to add to that uh, to that bullpen. Uh, you know, the Cardinals are, are scary, though, because they're a team that, that that's always right there. Uh, they're a team that makes great moves. I mean, the, the Cardinals front office is probably one of, if not the best in baseball, uh, because they make good calculated moves. They don't have to spend money like the Yankees do to do it. Uh, so the Cardinals always, always scare me. To me, this is a, uh, probably a two-team race. The Brewers, I don't know if they can uh, redo what they did last year. Uh, so the National League, uh, the Central, I mean, comes down to, uh, to I think, the Cubs and the Cardinals. Okay, let's take a look around, and I hope that it comes down to the Cubs and the Cardinals, and I hope the Cardinals win. I really <laughs> like I, – I say this because I'm a Cardinal fan, but not really. But really, uh, yeah, really, I say this because I'm a Cardinals fan. I really hope the Cardinals beat the Cubs. Uh, just saying. So let's, let's go around the let's go around the league and let's look at uh, the Ameri- We'll start with the American League East. You got the Red Sox and the Yankees. Yankees had new manager Aaron Boone uh, uh, may uh, have a. What's what's when you keep looking up? A, a neck strain is what I'm, I'm trying to think of uh, uh, by watching balls fly out of Yankee Yankee Stadium. There, you got the Orioles and the Blue Jays and the Rays uh, all out of the um, American League East. Uh, I think a lot of people would say that the Red Sox uh, it's it's theirs to lose this year. Well, I mean, you know, a lot of people thought that last year, and you know, they've the, some of the great pitches. With injuries uh, last year, that pitching staff wasn't great. So I, I think it comes down to uh, can the Red Sox score enough runs uh, and it, it come down to that pitching staff against the the dynamic lineup of the Yankees. Uh, you know, and the Yankees aren't slouches when it comes to a pitching staff either. We saw them take the eventual World Series champion Astros to seven games last year. So, uh, you know, I think the Red Sox are a good team, but if I had to put my money on one of the two, if I'm looking at it right now, if strictly from a betting standpoint, I'd definitely be putting my money on the Yankees. I like what I've seen so far, and I don't think there's no way the Red Sox a can match bats. Uh, you know, and, and it looks on paper that the pitching staff of the uh, of the Red Sox is a much better staff, but the Yankees, uh, you know, pitching staff played damn well, and you got a Rollins Chapman throwing 104 miles an hour at the end of the game. So, if I'm putting my money down, I like the Yankees. I'll tell you what, we move over to the American League Central. I mean, we got the Indians. I mean, is there anybody else to talk about in the American League Central but the Indians? You got uh, Corey Kluber, which is uh, uh, probably a, 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 a Cy Young contender. You've got uh, Lindor, the, the shortstop. Uh, you got Trevor Bow, uh, who who's just magnificent in everything that he does. I don't see anybody getting in the way of a uh, divisional win uh, with the Indians. Am I missing something here? Because do we need to talk about no. any other team in the American League Central? <laughs> Go ahead. No, I think I think you're right. I, 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 it's probably going to be hard for the Twins to recreate what they did last year. So it, it's probably a, a one-team race, top to bottom. The, the Indians are just too good. And they're, again, a team not, won, not afraid to make moves uh, during the season. So I think that's a one-team race. And certainly out of the American League West, uh, we, that's where we saw our World Series winner of the Houston Astros last year, uh, and I think they'll be better in 2018. Uh, they have both Justin Verlander and Garrett Cole for a full season. The lineup is pretty much back intact, and the 2017 uh, American League MVP, Jose Altev, uh, now has a contract uh, worth uh, a small $151 million for five years. Uh, so... 
I, I like the Astros. The, you got the Angels and, and the Mariners as well over there. Uh, Rangers and the A's. Uh, thoughts on the American League West? The the Astros are just too good. If uh, I, I would I would be willing to to quit my job uh, talking about sports if if anybody else but the Astros wins. The barring injury. They're, they appear to be the uh, the Golden State Warriors of Major League Baseball. They're so damn good. They're so young, and they are stacked top to bottom. This is this is the team to beat probably again. They would be my odds-on favorite uh, to be back in the World Series. We're talking with Mo from the BS Sports Show. This is the Balance Extra exclusive content only on the uh, podcast. Uh, this is the only place you're going to hear this great conversation that we're having. So make sure you hit subscribe uh, on the Apple Podcast, Apple iTunes, or I mean Apple Podcast. Sorry, and then on iTunes, uh, hit, hit favorite, Blog Talk Radio. Go I'm, there being, I'm being told that, that I, got, I have to go back on the air now. So I will talk to you again next okay. week, my friend. I'm sorry, I have to go. Uh, sounds good. Have a good one. Mo from the BS Sports Show uh, joins us, uh, and like I said, this is exclusive content. And so what we're going to do, uh, we'll catch back up on this next week. My name's Tom Marquisel, Presidente. This is the, uh, the balance. Remember, don't drink a drive. It isn't cool. I'm out of here. Deuces. Join us next week for The Balance. In the meantime, check us out on Twitter, T-Balance, or Facebook, The Balance, or online at www.thebalanceonline.com.